106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. That's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have now is a completely neurotic population obsessed with security and safety and crime and drugs and cleanliness and hygiene and germs. There's another thing, germs. Where did this sudden fear of germs come from? in this country. Have you noticed this? The media constantly running stories about all the latest infections, salmonella, E. coli, hantavirus, bird flu, and, and Americans are, they panic easily, so now everybody's running around scrubbing this and spraying that and overcooking their food and repeatedly washing their hands, trying to avoid all contact with germs. It's ridiculous and it goes to ridiculous lengths in prisons. Before they give you a lethal injection, they swab your arm with alcohol. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's true. Well, well, they don't want you to get an infection. And you can see their point. Wouldn't want some guy to go to hell and be sick. It would take a lot of the sportsmanship out of the whole execution. Fear of germs. Why these? F Besides, what do you think you have an immune system for? It's for killing germs. But it needs practice. It needs germs to practice on. So, so listen. So listen. If you kill all the germs around you and live a completely sterile life, then when germs do come along, you're not going to be prepared. And never mind ordinary germs. What are you going to do when some super virus comes along that turns your vital organs into liquid shit? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get sick, you're going to die, and you're going to deserve it because you're fucking weak and you got a fucking weak immune system. Now, hey, God it. Hey. All right. Let me tell you a true story about immunization, okay? When I was a little boy in New York City in the 1940s, we swam in the Hudson River, and it was filled with raw sewage, okay? We swam in raw sewage, you know, to cool off. And at that time, the big fear was polio. Thousands of kids died from polio every year. But you know something? In my neighborhood, no one ever got polio. No one ever. You know why? Because we swam in raw sewage. It strengthened our immune systems. The polio never had a prayer. We were tempered in raw shit. So. And you know something, in spite of all that so-called risky behavior, I never get infections. I don't get them. I don't get colds, I don't get flu, I don't get headaches, I don't get upset stomachs. And I, you know why? Because I got a good, strong immune system and it gets a lot of practice. Happy Coronavirus Day to you. This is Lou Benninger, and uh, we are here for our 50, 50, let's see, 53, episode 53. And uh, this, the date on this episode is uh, 
April 4, 4 4. And uh, I hope you're okay. I don't think anybody's really okay, right? But uh, relatively speaking, I uh, hope you can enjoy this podcast today whenever you're listening to it. If you're new to me, uh, my name's Lou Benninger, and I'm on uh, <clears throat> here every week at No Hostages Radio. We have a website, nohostagesradio.com, where you can see a lot of these podcasts all the way back to the beginning, a little over a year ago. And you can also see some articles that I write for a local newspaper up here in Northern California called the Territorial Dispatch. It just got sold, so I'm not even sure what websites to refer you to to see the paper. But I can refer you to my website or our website, which is No Hostages Radio, and you can see my articles, which uh, are two a week. So um, this last week, I uh, or or actually, you when you hear this, you should be able to go and see two articles. One is Will the Cure Kill the Patient? And uh, Will the Cure Kill the Patient? And that's about the coronavirus approach to the coronavirus. The other one is Don't Go Back to School, which is a critique on whether or not we really need to be going to school anymore instead of having school in our homes. So a couple of ways to get a hold of me. One is by phone or text 530-713-1838. And you can email me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com, lou at nohostagesradio.com. I'll do my best to check that. I have another email site that or email that I use on an everyday basis, but that one collects emails specifically about the show or things of that nature. Um, let me see. I'm just kind of getting lined up here, everything squared away so um we do six segments if you're new to this about 20 minutes a piece and then we do a few minutes of uh clips that normally on a radio show you'd you would hear some advertising there i usually do some live uh comments about some of the sponsors that uh, are the sponsors that help me stay on on the air air or on the internet um but we do some clips that I think are educational, and they tell it better than I could tell it, okay? So uh, I'm doing this show in the middle of the night because I just couldn't get it done any sooner. But the two benefits are the heroin addicts are nodding near next door. They're not making much noise with motorcycles rolling in and out. And, uh, and on the other side of where I'm broadcasting, the dogs are quiet. So unless we have a prowler, the dogs will probably get in a few hours sleep. They're tweaker dogs, so they're always uh, <clears throat> yapping all day. And uh, But hopefully we'll get a little quiet, and it'll be quiet here tonight. No garbage trucks uh, in the background. But I just came from a prayer meeting uh, at uh, a church I attend, and I heard... Uh, uh, a prophecy that was recorded from 1986 from David Wilkerson. He's the founder of what we know today as Teen Challenge 
one of the foremost and most successful drug rehab operations in the United States. It's a Christian-based, Bible-based rehab. It's called Teen Challenge, but it's kind of a misnomer because most everybody there is a teen adult, like 18 or above. I understand there are a few underage or minor um, juvenile teen programs now, but, but generally teen challenges are just everywhere. They're all over the place and they're rehabs. So David Wilkerson, uh, I can't remember where, I think he started out like in Indiana or Midwest and he ended up being called to New York City and he began to work with the gangs in New York City. And uh, he, he reached a guy, I think he's a Puerto, Puerto Rico gang member, Nicky Cruz. And there was a, a book written, gosh, back in the 60s or 70s called Run, Run, Baby, Run or something like that. Anyway, it was a, and I think they moved, made a movie of it. David Wilkerson, of course, died. Uh, I saw him right after I got converted in, in uh, 19, uh, probably I saw him in 1972 at the Sacramento Memorial Auditorium. He spoke there, and I didn't know anything about the Bible, didn't know anything about anything, just thought I had a miracle happen in my life to get me out of the drug scene. And I went down to the, uh, I was taken by a friend older friend that led us to Jesus, and he took a van of us down there to see David Wilkerson. Had no idea who this guy was. Don't even remember what he talked about. But uh, 20 years or so later, I was I took a team of people to do some outreach in Queens, New York, and uh, on the streets working with homeless people. That's when New York had homeless. We didn't have any. Uh and we stayed at the New York School of Urban Ministry, or what they called NYSUM, N-Y-S-U-M, in Queens. And uh, I got invited to go to the uh, David Wilkerson's church on Times Square. And he was dead at that time, or, or maybe he was just gone uh, but it was a church in a you know beautiful what you'd exa- expect out of a New York theater, uh, big theater, and uh, we also went to Brooklyn Tabernacle, and when I was there. But um, at the time, Wilkerson moved to New York and had an outreach to the gangs. Then he established his church and he had housing for taking prostitutes into off the streets and rehabs and all that kind of stuff in New York. But he said in 1986. Uh, which would have been just prior to me going to New York. I think I went in the early 90s. He said, I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, churches, and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Kind of interesting, huh? If if you're on uh, this home isolation idea, bars, of course, were closed down. And some some, uh, church pastors are getting arrested. Rodney Howard Brown was arrested even though he was obeying every rule of of the uh, the area there. Uh, the more we know about this, the more there was a hit job on Rodney Howard Brown, uh, but they were fastidious on how they were having meetings there. People 
not sitting close together. They had all kinds of cleanliness, etc. It's uh, it's it's a travesty what they did to him. But there's another guy in Louisiana that at the United Pentecostal Church in Louisiana that's been cited, arrested, or something like that. And uh, now we had a Governor Abbott in um, Texas has deemed uh, and declared churches to be an essential business, and so the government can't go in and harass them. Uh, we're far from that in California. Right now, uh, we actually get more heat from Christians who think we ought to obey the uh, the government um, at every turn, which is not even biblical. They they cite I know the scriptures they cite, but uh, if you you know you can't count on two hands all the all the uh, famous believers in the Bible that were arrested for <clears throat> not paying attention to the government. So it's interesting. We don't know whether this is a plague that David Wilkerson felt God was telling him about. I wouldn't really call it a plague, but it's being kind of declared that by the government. Uh, I think it's overblown. It's like it's like calling a cold cancer. And uh, we'll talk more about that today. I'm going to talk quite a bit, and we have a number of clips on the coronavirus. But certainly... Uh, whether it's a real threat or a perceived threat, if it scares the hell out of people, what's the difference, right? So we're really on the threshold of a complete meltdown in the country. Uh, the the Democrats who are blaming Trump actually were so myopically focused on Trump to impeach him since the day since before he he came into office that they want to blame Trump for the coronavirus and they weren't. They were only uh, interested in the Trump virus. and But they constantly are trusting that the American people are stupid. And in most cases, uh, I don't know whether I'd call them stupid or not, but they're not paying attention. What I would say, uh, I, I didn't, I was going to record this uh, clip that a guy did a rant on Facebook. He's a cop, a retired police officer, 25 years in the business. And either now as a pastor or certainly a strong Christian, and he went on about a 13 or 14 minute rant about basically saying to people, are you going to start thinking at any time in the near future? Or are you just going to like go like sheep over the cliff on this thing? He's talking to Christian people. And uh, I, I didn't record his name, but I really was tempted to play it. But it was pretty long for uh, I play some five, six, seven minute clips, but 13 minutes is getting out there. I didn't play it, but I probably should have. Maybe we'll play it next week. But he hoses everybody down and really brings into perspective uh, how blown out of proportion this entire thing is. Now, however this turns out, whether we have a significant number of deaths or insignificant number, the government will take credit for minimizing, portraying as if it was going to be a mass apoc apocalypse and they have saved our life once again, and that's why they had to ruin all these businesses. Now, the fact is, uh, people's, people are dying because of the isolation. And it's pretty simple. If you remove an elderly person from their home, you think, I, need, I think we're going to move mom into a rest home instead of giving her help right in the house that she's used to living in and comfortable, has all her memories in that, in that home. And she knows even though she may be getting a little blind and she may be getting a little uh, feeble on her feet, she can still get around. She's comfortable there. She knows her, 
everything is. You move her to a rest home, and it uh, doesn't take long, and she's dead. So this week, I first yesterday, uh, I got a call in the morning. lady was desperate. Uh, she'd had two deaths in her family called the trauma intervention line. She was discouraged. She was, uh, she said, I don't know. Are you too busy to, you guys too busy to talk to me? I know you guys have a lot going on. So we, we have a lot of time to talk to you. And I turned her over to one of our tip people, but she was basically distraught. She was despondent. She was isolated. Uh, we, uh, and she was uh, needing help. She, she was a mental health case. She wasn't like mentally ill, but she was depressed. A few hours later, a young man killed himself by hanging himself in the Yuba County foothills. And uh, he'd had a history of fighting depression. And uh, so, you know, pe- smart people, bright doctors, and um, people that know what's going on in society knows that you can't make a major move in society without a count- counter. You're, if you have a cause and effect. And so you cannot you cannot house people and force people to stay in their homes without a negative effect. Now, we know we have a tremendous there's going to be a tremendous collapse in the uh, the private industry in small business, particularly you think, oh, well, GM, uh, General Electric, IBM, Microsoft, uh, Oracle. Those are all the businesses where everybody are hired. Tesla, it. They, certainly they hire lots of people, but the the deceptive thing or the thing that people don't get in America is that the backbone of employment and man, and uh, development, businesses and taxes and all the things that are good for America are done by the small business, people, businesses that have, have maybe under 25 employees. And those are the businesses that are getting no help. And, and they're not going to be able to recover. They're running too close. They're too close. The profit line's too thin. And when you tell them, oh, just shut down or do takeout, these restaurants are not going to be able, like I was talking to somebody the other day here, just today, earlier today in Yuba City, California. And uh, we were in a parking lot and I was pointing at a business. I said, yeah, that restaurant just sold and uh, sold to a new group of people. And, uh, now, now they have to close. And he said, yeah, the owner talked to me today, the guy that was standing with me in the parking lot, and he said, it's actually cheaper for me to just shut my entire operation down and not even try to serve takeout than try to serve takeout. So what's happening is is uh, they're foolishly closed, closing all this activity and all these businesses. One, it's bad for people, and it's bad for uh, economics, and it's bad for the mental health of people. There's it's a lose lose situation. And uh, some people that, you know, even Trump's. So I can tell some of Trump's advisors are saying, what 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 would have been the downside if we had just n- done nothing except maybe isolate sick people? You know, that's been the, the uh, approach for years. You determine who your problem population is and you test them. And you isolate them until they recover from the illness or you get them in the hospital if they can't fare on their own. Now, a lot of people think if you get the coronavirus, there's just a lot of misinformation that you're going to end up in the hospital. That's not true. It's just not true. Most people stay in their homes and get over it, just like any other flu. 
So you might start catching on. You know, they keep saying, this isn't like any other flu. My God. Check the numbers out. Check the numbers. The regular flu far surpasses Corona. Far surpasses. Oh, well, you know, it just like kills them. Yeah, it's killing 85-year-old people. I just looked at the obituaries in this I got a, there's an article I was going to look at in the paper, but in these obituaries here, I just noticed this is a local newspaper here on Tuesday, March 31. And here's one person that died, not of Corona, just died. 84. Dorothy, she's 84. Manuel, he's 76. Debbie, 61. Thomas, 69. You know, that's, you're getting the ripe age there when you get over 60s. And if you got some health issues, there's a couple other people here. There's a 43-year-old people. Usually when you get down in the lower years, they're either killing themselves, either hanging, shooting, drinking themselves to death, shooting dope. And uh, so they, they wear their parts out sooner or they just they get depressed, discouraged. They can't seem to get life working for them and they can't get the help they need. So they just give up and end their life. So uh, we're going to talk about more about that today. And uh, but first, I want to talk about people that are talking trash. And man, I'm telling you, you know, the Bible talks more about uh, gossip than it talks about screwing the lady next door, your neighbor next door. Did you know that gossip is a big old funky deal? uh, According to Jesus, according to God. And man, Christians can justify their just tongue, just talking trash all the time. I get sick of it. I had told tell a friend of mine the other day, yakking, jacking her jaws about my church having meetings. And I said, you know, you ought to just shut up. People just need to shut up out there. If you don't want to go to meetings, you want to like cave up and uh, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything except when you want to do it. Just cave up and you know, keep your mouth shut. If you think that's what God wants you to do, then do that. But I, I'm not going to do that, and I got no interest in doing that. And I think the whole thing is uh, we're not we're not like quarantining people for the regular flu. We're not quarantining people for meningitis. We're not quarantining people uh, for any other ailment that's killing. Like for instance, we I think we kill thirty five, forty thousand people a year uh, in car crashes. But we have not gone back to horses. And we didn't stop driving in any city. I've not never heard of a moratorium when four say we had. I remember one day out on Blevins Road, we had four kids got killed in the fog out there Four just wiped out all four of them. Young teenagers right at the prime of their life. We did not tell teens they couldn't drive for six months. We didn't we didn't stop selling vehicles. We didn't stop giving out driver's licenses. We didn't. There was no moratorium on driving in the fog. There wasn't anything. Just four people died. Now, today, if I brought that up about coronavirus, oh, my God, you're so hard-hearted. You like you wouldn't shut the whole community. We, we need to shut the whole community down because we have an 88-year-old struggling at the hospital. The problem with most of you is you're so damn clueless about everything. You have no idea what's going on. While you've been like doing your thing and watching your boob tube, People have been dropping dead at the hospital for 25, 20. I've been doing this tip work for 30 years almost. And people have been dropping dead every day. And you've been missing out on it, all the drama. I used to tell you, quit watching 
those hospital shows on TV and come over and join TIP and actually help somebody and get involved. Then you go to the hospital and you think, God, there's a lot of people sick, people dying and getting shot, getting running over, falling off a roof. Da, 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 da. We didn't stop. We never stopped life saying, hey, 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 let's stop everything for a couple hours. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We just, we lost our mind as a country. We lost our friggin' mind as a country. I'll be right back, and, and we're going to do the second segment. I'm going to talk about gossip here just for a minute, and then I'm going to get into this corona thing and things related to it. All right, hold on here. Delaying COVID-19 testing in the United States meant that for weeks, doctors and public health officials were flying blind about who was infected and the location of major outbreaks. As a result, they had little hope of containing the virus before it started spreading out of control. Why did the U.S. fall behind almost every other country in this regard? It's a long-standing problem that's led to needless suffering and loss of life long before the coronavirus pandemic. But in this case, its impact is so high-profile and far-reaching that the episode could finally bring lasting reform drastic measures being taken to try to contain the outbreak of a mysterious pneumonia-like virus. The genetic sequence for COVID-19 was published on January 10th by Chinese scientists and uploaded to the National Institute of Health's website, allowing laboratories around the world to create their own diagnostic tests. German scientists had one within a week, and other countries in private labs quickly followed suit. The World Health Organization shipped 250,000 of the German version of the test to labs around the world. But the U.S. Center for Disease Control decided it needed to rely on its own version of the test, which would be certified by the Food and Drug Administration. But it wasn't ready until early February. February 6th and 7th, 90 tests were shipped to state public health labs around the country. But the kits had a technical flaw and needed to be returned to the CDC for testing. Meanwhile, the virus continued spreading. On February 4, the FDA said it would allow government-approved labs with high-complexity testing capabilities to create their own tests, provided they copy the CDC's approach and send all of their results to the agency's headquarters in Atlanta for verification. Former FDA Principal Deputy Commissioner Joshua Sharfstein told The New Yorker, You certainly wouldn't want to say any lab can advertise a coronavirus test, because then it's going to be chaos. There's a lot of people who will sell things that may or may not work. Though well-intentioned, the rule became a stumbling block. Every virus is a little different, but this is one of the more ch most challenging ones certainly I've seen in my lifetime. Take the case of Alex Greninger, a doctor and researcher at the University of Washington, who sent in his application to create a coronavirus test via email. According to a report in GQ, he then learned that he also needed to submit a paper copy, and then another version burned to a compact disc, or loaded onto a drive and delivered to the FDA's Maryland headquarters. After he complied, according to a report in ProPublica, the FDA didn't approve his test right away. They asked him to make sure his test didn't cross-diagnose with SARS and MERS, other coronaviruses, which hadn't been seen in the U.S. in years. His test was finally certified on February 29th, at which point the fatal outbreak in his home state of Washington was already underway. As the crisis worsened and the testing shortage drew headlines, the FDA simplified the process. But then on March 20th, they warned that they may shut down efforts to rapidly make available at-home testing kits on the grounds that they were unvetted and could be fraudulent. The first documented cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. and South Korea were discovered around the same time. Yet as of March 17, one out of 4,300 Americans had been tested. In South Korea, it's one out of 17. 
Had diagnostic tests for COVID-19 been available sooner, they would have helped public health officials isolate, quarantine, and provide medical supplies to areas of the U.S. affected by the virus. How could this happen? This tragic testing delay has brought national attention to the FDA's long-standing, overly cautious approach to regulating American healthcare. To minimize risk, the agency has sacrificed speed, preventing doctors and patients from accessing the tools they need until it's too late. The agency's risk reduction over speed of approval goes back to the 1960s, when a sleeping pill called thalidomide marketed to pregnant women caused babies to die in utero or to be born with serious birth defects. The crisis was mostly contained to Europe because concerned FDA regulators had kept the untested drug out of the U.S. The United States has the best and the most effective food and drug law of any country in the world. In 1962, President Kennedy signed a landmark bill increasing the agency's oversight powers. It resulted in a culture of extreme caution that led to long approval times for experimental drugs and devices, keeping potentially life-saving tools out of the hands of patients. The beginning of the movement to relax those rules and rethink the trade-off between risk and speed in the FDA approval process began during the AIDS crisis of the 1980s. Gay rights activists were outraged that the FDA wouldn't quickly approve more experimental drugs like AZT, which blocks HIV's replication, or thalidomide, used to treat some of the wasting symptoms of AIDS. After lobbying and protests, including the 1988 shutdown of the FDA building, the administration slowly began to loosen its rules, leading to the approval of highly active antiretroviral therapy, or HART, in 1996. Because of HART, contracting HIV wasn't a death sentence anymore. Gay rights activism during the 1980s and 1990s created a framework for patient advocacy to people with life-threatening illnesses, leading to the Right to Try movement, which has allowed terminally ill patients to access experimental drugs and devices that are still undergoing FDA testing. The movement pushed the agency to streamline its own compassionate use program to help the same kinds of patients. But the COVID-19 testing debacle underscores the limits of those reforms. Once a full investigation comes out about the agency's failures, perhaps it will bring fundamental reform, at last giving Americans rapid access to potentially life-saving tools. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware all right, I have a particular distaste for people to gossip. I worked at a church for 20 years, and I was always trying to keep a lid on this thing. Help people uh, get over their life. And some people just don't have a life. I've, I've noticed a lot of people just don't have a life. And so some of them, you know... Uh, I'm old enough to live before Facebook, and honestly, y'all out there that got me on your Facebook, if you send me another funny film piece or show a cupcake you made or show some stupid thing you're doing because you're bored to death, I wish you'd get coronavirus and just occupy yourself other than sending me crap in the Facebook. It's like, oh, I hate that about Facebook. It's just like... So anyway, uh, a lot of people just gossip, 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 and they just talk in trash because they don't have enough to do with their time. You know, it just like since we got out of farming, all of us, 90 percent of the population would be farmers at one time. And that's hard work. And when you get done with that, you just come in 
hose the dirt off, eat a little bit, and get in bed. That's it. Not time to talk about your neighbor. Or talk about what Lou Benninger's doing. Or talking about what Glad Tidings is doing. Jeez, Louise. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. So this says, Mildred, the church gossip and self-appointed monitor of the church's morals. Man, I've got some people in Glad Tidings over the years that they were monitoring our morals. like Not, not, not like whether you're having sex with the neighbor or not, but just like their preference on how life ought to be lived. You know how you ever had people like, oh, you know, I, I had one of my jail inmates because I taught a class on don't should on me. And I said, you don't should on me. I'm not going to should on you. So she made me a shirt says, don't should on me. And a lot of people want to should on everybody. I don't know about out in the community, but I've been around church life. They should, they're all shouldn't on. Oh, well, you shouldn't. Oh, well, you shouldn't dress like that. Oh, you, you, you shouldn't be that way. Oh, you shouldn't. Oh, you shouldn't let your kid do that. Just shut your mouth. Jeez. Mildred, the church gossip and self-appointed monitor of the church morals, kept sticking her nose into other people's business. I told I told my I when I was out at KMYC, I had all when I was all excited about KMYC radio. I did a show out there and I used to I said, "Man, there's a lot of good ways we could get this station really rocking and rolling out have have a lot of people listening, good shows on." And I kept making suggestions to the owner, and then I felt like God spoke to me. He said, "Lou, this is not your business. So mind your business." And I thought, I got you. I'm going to move on. Minding my business. You mind your business. I'm going to mind my business. So several members did not approve of the extracurricular activities, but feared her enough to maintain their silence. She made a mistake, however, when she accused George, a new member of the church, of being an alcoholic after she saw his old pickup parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. She emphatically told George and several others that everyone seeing it there would know what he was up to. George, a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just turned around and walked away. He didn't explain. He didn't defend. He didn't deny. He said nothing. Later that evening, George quietly parked his pickup in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night. That kind of took care of Mildred. Well, um, I saw this. Uh, you know how you see these old, I guess they're old, lit, what we call, they didn't have photography so much back in the uh, the days of our founding fathers, but they had, I guess, artists and lithographs, right? pen and ink type stuff. Then you see pictures of the Continental Congress and things. So this is a a pen and ink depiction of the Continental Congress with Patrick Henry. And it says, give me liberty or give me my $1,200. Isn't that true? People in America would sell, you know, sell out their, uh, their inheritance, their legacy for a pot of beans Sell out their rights. I, someone said to me the other day, he said, uh, it'd be interesting. He said, you're, you guys, someone said to me, he said, you, a lot of you guys get so up up in the air about your Second Amendment rights, but you, you just, you'll give your First Amendment rights, the right to assemble. You just give that right away. I said, I'm not going to give that right away. 
It's interesting. I wonder if all the people who hate Trump are going to uh, reject their $1,200. Not take it. All the people that hate Trump, of course, they blame him for the virus. They, they don't blame the Democrats for not paying attention to any threats to the United States. All they wanted to do is attack Trump. Here's here's the way I think right here. This Jordan Schnachtel or Schachtel, S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-L, Schachtel. Never heard of a name like that, Jordan. The, he says, I just love this because this is the way I think. Our COVID-19 policy is akin or just like dealing with the road fatalities problem by shutting down every highway in America and calling it a day. I have felt that as a tip volunteer sitting with vol- with parents after their son ran off the road. Maybe he nodded off or whatever and died. 18-year-old, 16-year-old, 19, 20. And they are unconsolable. And yet, when they leave the hospital where they pronounced him dead, they do not ask for uh, a horse to ride home. They do not walk home. They get in a thing called a car and get right out there on that old dangerous highway, and they drive themselves home, taking a risk that they may run over somebody, somebody's kid, or they could get run over right after their son has been killed by the very thing that they've been doing. The, the, Andrew, did you see that photo on Facebook or on the Internet of Andrew Cuomo in a T-shirt, kind of a polo shirt? And he's got some of those nipple, what are those things, those, those uh, jewelry they put in their nipples? It's, it's somebody photoshopped that dude. That dude looks as queer as they can be. Anyway, um, Andrew Cuomo said, if, if we save one life shutting down every business in New York and spending and costing us trillions of dollars was worth it, that is the lamest, stupidest, that's maniacal talk. That is maniacal talk. We don't do that anywhere in the world for anything. That's crazy. That is crazy talk. That you would destroy the life of millions and millions and millions of people and children and families to save one life. That's just totally ridiculous. That guy is off the reservation stupid. Some people may think he's sharper than the brother, that weird brother that's on the TV on the news, those dudes, you know, dad may have been sharp, but he, the DNA pool somehow got screwed on the way down to those boys because they seem like they got a tad retard side to them. They got a big flat spot going for them there somewhere. So Jordan says our COVID-19 policy is akin to dealing with the road fatalities problem by shutting down every highway in America and calling it a day. I've never met a teenager that his friend gets killed in a car accident. He said, that's it. I'm not ever driving. I have never seen that before. This is crazy logic. This is that's political 
baloney being thrown out over America. If if we can save one life, this entire fiasco is worth it. No, it isn't worth it. The fact is nobody's keeping track of all the lives lost where people just take their own life because they can't handle being isolated. They can't handle the interaction. They can't handle, they need to go get some help and they, there's no one out there to help them. It's crazy. Totally crazy. And Ann Coulter wrote an article here called The Bill for Globalism Has Arrived. Do you remember that uh, town hall meeting where Barack Obama is being asked by a black union member, like, hey, how how are we going to get these jobs going again, dude? Like, we need some jobs for our union members. And Barack says, those manufacturing jobs are gone forever. Where did they go? They went to China, Mexico, Vietnam. They went to all these cheap labor countries. And he said, that's just the way it, it goes. And they're not coming back. You know the reason they're not coming back in Obama's day and mind and philosophy? He did not want them to come back because he wanted to go no borders globalism. We're all one. And we all remember how they sing world we are the we are the world? That's Barack. All you know, kumbaya, right? If you're not with the one you love, love the one you're with. No morals, no restrictions, and uh and we're gonna we're gonna deplete the wealth of the United States and undermine our constitution, and we're just gonna embrace communism. And so Ann Ann Coulter wrote wrote is she's a great writer. I I like the way she thinks. And it comes out in her writing. Uh the bill or the or the debt for globalism has arrived, she says. Or as Jeremiah Wright would say, the chickens have come home to roost for the United States. She says, when the after, after action report on the current pandemic is being prepared, I'm going to ask the guy with the notepad to write down China and globalists. Those words won't be on Trump's list. He can't stop gushing about how much he respects China and the American companies that have outsourced jobs there. Even as China withholds vital medical supplies, Trump refuses to end our suicidal dependence on them. And I totally agree. The Chinese, I've been smuggling Bibles into China for 20 years. Up until the last few years, they cut it off. They cut off the border. Those people, those communists, I'm not talking about the average person on the street. Those communists are ruthless. They are liars. They are maniacal. They'll slit your throat in a heartbeat. They'll take you off the street. You don't have any due process. They harvested in just a couple of years, 60,000 prisoners, organs, killed them. They were living prisoners and they, they killed them for their organs. When they found somebody with a good DNA match, they harvested their organs. These people eat babies. I know... Somebody's like, oh, my God, now he's totally gone over the hill. Listen, when I first started about started talking about them uh, parting out live prisoners, political prisoners, and religious prisoners like the Muslims, the Uyghur Muslims, and the Fulan Gong, and the Christians, people like, oh, my God, he that's ridiculous. No, you're ridiculous. You don't know your butt from a hole in the ground. You were hopelessly screwed up. That's your problem. 
If you actually quit watching the television and actually educated yourself, you'd figure some of this stuff out. China is full-blown communist, just like Vietnam is. I told somebody today, in fact, it was tonight at the prayer meeting, I said that my friends in, in Vietnam laugh in mockery of Americans because they watch you watch these kids saying they want to be socialists and they want out of Vietnam. They want out of there because it is so ridiculous over there. They call you up on the phone and, and ask you where you've been, the cops. And you haven't, you're not a criminal. They just ask you where you've been. Anyway, it's crazy. Um, so let me go back to my, so she says, even as China withholds vital medical supplies, why should we even be concerned about that? Because we're not making anything here anymore. We sent it all over to China, literally. I'm, this is going to shock some of you. His one slight annoyance with China is that he, they lied about the Wuhan virus. Now, listen, I've been to Wuhan. It's a big old city, massive city. And and they in every city in China, they have live markets where you can buy animals and eat them. Fish, fish eel, uh, dogs, rats, cats, bats, the whole thing. So this Wuhan market that supposedly this thing started in by some bat, it's just a stone's throw. I'm talking about 100 meters away from a big uh, laboratory, research laboratory on communicable diseases. I'm going to get to some of this, but so anyway, they lied about the Wuhan virus. What did they lie about? They lied about when it started. And they lied about how bad it was, and they're still lying about it. They haven't ever told the truth about this, and the World Health Organization has backed them up. And they're, they're corrupt at the World Health Organization as well. United Nations, screwed. We're screwed all over the world. And Coulter says, I have a longer list of complaints, beginning with the fact that they eat bats. The, they eat anything in China. I think because they starve so bad, they like you go through Southeast Asia, all those people starved. They they figured out what bugs you can eat, and they didn't taste so so bad. They figured out how to prepare them. And uh, so my friends who were born right after the Vietnam War ended and communism took over, she said, Lou, and I, the, my first remembrances of collecting insects with my mom to eat because we didn't have any rice. So those people still eat bugs, bats. Rats, I've seen whole rats hung up that were cooked. It's, hey, that's the way it is. So that if you have you ever wondered how come all these diseases start in China and then spread out to the rest of the world? That's why they don't have any USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, sending out epidemiologists to to make sure that these uh, rats and cats and and all these creatures. Uh, are all disease-free because if you eat a diseased rat, it's the same way that some some people believe that the uh, HIV, what we call AIDS, started in, I can't remember the name of the African country, but from chimpanzees or monkeys. And I used to think they were screwing the monkeys, but they could have just been eating them because they eat monkeys over there. So if you eat a funky monkey, you're going to, 
That's how they got HIV. They ate a funky monkey or they had sex with a funky monkey. Either one is a bad deal, right? Think about it. That's how HIV started. And then it just got funkier from there when we got over to San Francisco and New York. And it just fit right in with the craziness down there. So uh, anyway, uh, she says, I have a problem with them eating bats. The resulting pandemic now raging through our country would be bad enough. But our new crisis is a shortage of medical equipment. Where do you think that equipment comes from? It all came from China. You hear all these companies. Oh, we're going to quit building Teslas. We're going to quit building my pillows. We're going to quit building this. We're going to quit. What are we going to do? We're going to build. We're going to make masks, fabric masks. We're going to build ventilators, right? It's interesting that the governor in New York, old pierced, pierced titty, old Cuomo, uh, he, he passed on uh, shoring up some of his medical needs in the state and instead spent it on solar. Now, it's interesting when you think, you know, it's interesting to me, all these people, are, oh, my God. The federal government, they, where are they? The federal government's not in charge of these states. If you live in a state in the United States of America, you should be looking to your county and your state government. They're the, the, the way this works is the government closest to the people are supposed to be taking care of business. So if you lack beds in your community, that would be a problem of your state government. We have a socialist medical system now. You... A lot of it, you went right along for it because you, you vote Democrat and the Democrats voted for Obamacare. And, and so you can't, if you go out tomorrow, you can't just go start a hospital. It's all totally government run. They'll tell you how many beds you can have. They'll tell you whether you can have an MRI or not. It's being run by bureaucrats. They know nothing about anything. Instead of letting everybody, if everybody wanted to go into, I talked about this last week, if everybody wanted to go into the MRI business and you, you'd get the price of the MRIs down, wouldn't you? If everybody's doing MRIs, you'd get, instead of 1000 or $1,200, you might get, get an MRI for $400, pay cash, boom, you're in and out, done. And some of those high-priced MRI places would drop their prices. That's why w the more government is involved in anything, you put government in charge of toilet paper, and you'll never find any toilet paper. You'll never have enough toilet paper. You'll never have enough food. You put the government in charge of food, you'll be wanting to get food from other countries. That's what that's what happened with China and, and Russia. When I was a kid, we used to I used to think, how come they're communists? They hate us, and we're shipping shipload after shipload after shipload of grain, wheat, and rice to these communist countries who are threatening to kill us. I thought, how, what in the world? It never made sense to me, by the way. I'll be right back. We got another another uh, short break in the action. And if I can get my mouse to work right, my live mouse, hold on. Great. Churches are not essential, but abortion clinics are essential during this coronavirus lockdown? Got it. Your daily reminder that abortion is not health care, and Democratic politicians never let a crisis go to waste. You think Democrat politicians aren't using the coronavirus crisis to grab power? 
Okay, let's take a look. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio threatens to close churches and synagogues permanently in violation of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. De Blasio also threatens to fine citizens $500 if they walk near each other on the street. Even the ACLU is crying foul over civil liberties. Weeks ago, de Blasio said COVID-19 is a case for nationalization of private industry. He means a government takeover of our economy. The mayor of Chicago threatens to arrest people going for walks. The mayor of Washington, D.C. threatens 30 days in jail if you leave your home for anything but groceries. The mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, threatens to shut off water and power to businesses who don't comply with his mandatory lockdown order. You have to wonder, when will he wield that same threat against private citizens who don't do what he says? What gives them the right to do this? Nothing. And it's not just authoritarian abuse of power. No, no. You think Democrat politicians and partisan media pundits aren't exploiting this COVID-19 outbreak to push their radical leftist agenda? Let's walk through this, too. The New York Times editorial board says COVID-19 is a great case for taxpayer-funded abortions. Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar says the government should take over private hospitals. Bernie Sanders says the only solution to COVID-19 is a socialist-style, government-run health care system like Medicare for All. Nancy Pelosi tried to throw in abortion provisions in the coronavirus stimulus package in Congress. The sheriff of Wake Forest, North Carolina, banned all pistol sales due to, quote, unprecedented demand for weapons in his county. The governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, shut down gun stores in his state with an emergency order, only to revoke the order after widespread backlash. The governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, banned gun stores from staying open and shut down background checks, effectively stopping law-abiding citizens from having the ability to purchase firearms and exercise their Second Amendment rights. The mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, also tried to shut down gun stores until the outcry from citizens forced him to declare that gun shops are essential businesses and therefore allowed to remain open. The mayor of Champaign, Illinois, signed an executive order giving herself the power to stop sales of firearms and ammunition. At the time she signed that order, her county had zero cases of COVID-19. The mayor of San Jose, California, admitted they just don't want people to be buying guns. Democratic Congresswoman Ayanna Presley wants prisoners to be released from prison. California Governor Gavin Newsom actually did release convicts from prison, including convicted murderers whose victims were children and a pregnant woman. Police in cities across the country, from Philadelphia to Cincinnati to San Diego, are not enforcing the laws in their states anymore, refusing to arrest people who commit crimes like all narcotics offenses, theft from persons, retail theft, theft from auto, burglary, vandalism, all bench warrants, stolen auto, economic crimes like bad checks and fraud, phone harassment, assault where there's no injury, and prostitution. COVID-19 is scary, and we need to take all reasonable measures to stop the spread of the virus, of course. Nobody's denying that. But as Benjamin Franklin once said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. In other words, be careful that you don't give away your freedom in fear, or else our cure for COVID-19 might be worse than the disease itself. Last week, I exhorted Americans and the president to abandon the scourge of socialism in the face of our international pandemic. 
Not only has Donald Trump made an abrupt departure from his conservative rhetoric, the president has now joined with Congress and signed the most massive multi-trillion dollar socialist scheme in history. In the face of a national emergency, the president and the Congress have jettisoned the rule of law. Trump administration's willingness to circumvent the Constitution constitutes a gross perversion of what limited power the Constitution affords both the legislative and executive branches. New England's Reverend John Cotton observed in the 1600s, Let all the world learn to give to mortal men no greater power than they are content they shall use, for use it they will. And unless they be better taught of God, they will use it ever and anon. For whatever transcendent power is given will certainly overrun those that give it and those that receive it. There is a strain in a man's heart that will sometime or other run out to excess unless the Lord restrain it. But it is not good to venture it. The question we all ought to be asking ourselves right now is this. Do we really want government to be God? As a good Puritan preacher observed, they will gladly take that role. Yesterday, my neighbor came across the street to give me an orchid. While both of us wind up on the opposite ends of the political spectrum, we exist in general societal harmony. As she delivered the beautiful flowers, she went on to explain that she now had to carry papers with her in her car while she drove around during the day for work. I wasn't sure where the conversation was going to go from there, but then she commented that it made her feel strange. It was an eerie feeling to have to carry papers just to work and drive her car. In Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, the author describes, That was when they suspended the Constitution. They said it would be temporary. There wasn't even any rioting in the streets. People stayed home at night watching television, looking for some direction. There wasn't even an enemy you could put your finger on. Every intentional patriot American knows that you can always count on the government to take advantage of a crisis, legitimate or purposefully fabricated. Remember the weapons of mass destruction? Make no mistake, the coronavirus pandemic is no exception. I've often been critical of government exploitation of national emergencies for its own nefarious purposes. I'm grieved to say those critiques pale in comparison to what is presently unfolding. While it is good and right to have the president and governors advising caution and limited quarantine of segments of the population, enforcing lockdown powers under penalty of prosecution or fine, and the quarantine of whole communities by executive fiat is unacceptable. Insolence has prevented many current orders from even recognizing the exemption of churches and religious institutions, or the First Amendment that defines the religious associations. Are state officials really prepared to prosecute pastors who plan to live stream services from their place of worship? Tragically, American citizens are once again looking to government for financial handouts, medical intervention, protection, and security. It was Lord Acton who admonished mankind that power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I implore you, Mr. President, Congress, state legislatures, and governors that have gone rogue, do not be deceived. The powers you shamefully usurp will be placed in the arsenal of future governments to be used once again when they feel it convenient to alter the constitutional landscape of the United States. Rather than playing God, lead Americans to implore God's aid lest the scourge of tyranny outweigh the scourge of this pestilence. This is Jake McCauley and Dominic McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution bringing you The American View. Let me tell you about it.
So I was reading this Ann Coulter thing, which is very good. And so now you're going to get it. Uh, She said, too bad we sent all our manufacturing to China. Not to worry. Surely China wouldn't disrupt the sacred global supply chain. Oops. China is stockpiling their mask and ventilators instead of giving them to us. So now all the General Motors and General Electric got to start building ventilators because guys like Cuomo didn't order them and prepare for bad situations. Guys like Cuomo and uh, the lard hair down there, Gavin Newsom. She said, and there's some more good news. China makes more than 90% of our antibiotics. Did you hear that correctly? 90%, 9-0. Nine, 90% of our vitamin C. Did you know that vitamin C, A, and D, plus sitting out in the sun, can stop you from getting corona, even though you you you're got somebody slobbering all over you and spitting in your face? If you got vitamin C on board and you got A and D and you're sitting out soaking up some rays every day, maybe 30 minutes of rays out in the back back porch, just soaking it up. Tough. That corona is going to have a tough time getting in your system. 90% of our antibiotics, vitamin C, ibuprofen, and hydrocortisone. You know what that is? Norco. That's Norco. Painkiller. By the way, they're making all the fentanyl over there as well. Hold hold that thought. Big painkiller. What is it? 10 times. I always get 10 times or 100 times more powerful than morphine. They're making 70% of the acetaminophen aspirin-type stuff. 40% to 45% of heparin, according to the New York Times. The last American penicillin plant closed more than 15 years ago. All your penicillins come from China. Did you know that? In early March, the Chinese government ominously warned that if China stopped exporting drugs, the United States would sink into the hell of a novel or novel, however you want to say it, coronavirus epidemic. The Chinese said that. This is a quote in early March. Maybe we should uh, encourage some of the old pharmaceutical firms to start up some plants here and start buying pharmaceuticals at home. For decades, people like Trump's trade director, Pete Navarro, have warned us that something like this would happen. But we were condescendingly told this is capital seeking the most efficient market. And anyway, if China screws with us, we'll just make it ourselves. Really? With broke down buildings, dispossessed workforce and no machinery? She says unfashionable working class people in the industrial Midwest were discarded years ago by people like Barack Obama and George Bush. This thing doesn't have a party label on it, this globalism. The Bushes were big time into globalism. So were the Clintons. They may have well as well had obsolete stamped on their foreheads of all those hardworking, bright, just salt-of-the-earth Midwesterners. Remember the when uh, Obama shut down all those coal mills and he said, oh, we're going to cross-train you to be IT people. Honestly, people, that Obama... Did did Obama ever really have a job before he was a 
community organizer. That that's the only. I don't know whether he's a male escort. Maybe that's why he hung out with that Gillum down there in Florida that he tried to make because they're banging those bodybuilders up there in the hotel room. Uh, who made money off globalism? Wall Street did. She says, what happened to your vaunted concern for China's human rights violations with the Uyghurs, the Falun Gong, Tibet, child labor? But, oh, yeah, you got your place in the Hamptons. That would be a a reflection of the Obamas, right? In fact, they build, they buy all these places right on the water where the tide was supposed to get clean up and, you know, get right up in your nose and stuff. Remember that? Global warming? Another crock of crap. She says, even before China gave us the latest viral disease, not to be confused with H1N1, that would be the swine flu, the Asian flu, SARS, the bird flu. And one of the most frequent questions about Amazon products are, do you know what the most frequent question asked when people get on Amazon is? Was it made in China? Because everything is, right? Obviously, a lot of consumers would happily pay more to know that something is made in the USA or at least not in China nowadays. Maybe people will think a little bit harder about do we really want stuff. She did an article a while back that listed all the product fiascos from China. Do you remember the, the, uh, what do they call that product? that the formula not right substitute for breast milk formula for children they put a funky chemical in the formula to make it taste better go farther and poisoned a lot of their own kids as well as kids in other countries Def- caused them to have defects they had lead in their paint that they put on small toys for kids uh and so that doesn't lead lead doesn't do a body well, right? Kids chew on their toys, put them in their mouth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. On and on and on. She listed a whole list of things that were disasters that the Chinese made for the world, right? Um, so she goes into a discussion here about searching on Amazon to search for products made in the USA, including all their constituent parts. Or I don't want anything with any Chinese in it. She said, I'd wager that these would be more popular than the hundreds of other search parameters, such as star ratings, price, manufacturer, prime, calories, gluten-free, and so on. She says, the globalists are making a lot of money selling us crappy products manufactured in a culturally backward totalitarian regime with zero quality control and absolutely no interest in the well-being of our country. They'll send us, you know, honestly, I've seen seen fish over there in China. I would not eat any fish or or food products made over there. They, They feed them terrible stuff chemicals come on man it's funky stuff let me just see it she she really goes after these guys uh navarro had the executive order executive order ready to go 
let me tell you about this executive order that they were going to do. Nearly a month ago, New York Times reported that Trump was preparing an executive order which could be released in the coming days requiring the federal government to buy American-made pharmaceuticals. In other words, feds would if, if the feds are going to buy like for Veterans Administration and for the military and stuff, they would have to buy American-made. But she said it apparently went in the same round file as the executive order on anchor babies. You remember that executive order we were going to have? We're still waiting for that, too. So Navarro had the executive order ready to go, but then dozens of pharmaceutical companies lobbied against it, arguing that, quote, a diverse pharmaceutical supply chain is precisely what enables the industry to respond quickly and make adjustments to it. I don't know what they mean by a diverse. If you're doing all your work in China, that is not diverse. And so when you get sideways with China and they're making 90% of most of your products and 100% of your penicillin, you're pretty much goofed. China says if you cut, if we cut you off, America, you will be in hell. That's what they said early in March. The big pharma lobbyists also noted that Trump, Trump's idle threat for America to make its own drugs could run afoul of commitments he made to the World Trade Organization government procurement agreement. You know something, people? We we have so screwed ourselves in this country, and not just Obama. All the way back, Bush 1, Bush 2, Clintons, they've just sold this country out into globalism. And it's interesting that, that a lot of the things Trump came in saying, uh, the things that Trump came in saying was that he wanted to make America first, make America great, stop people from coming into this country that are illiterate, diseased, and molesters, and rapists, and cartel, and uh, put America back to work. He wanted to bring factories back from other countries. When you think of one thing after another after another, he was trying to work our way away from what is just happening right now, where everything that we need has been, you know, we're scrambling around. I saw on the in the paper or on the maybe it was on the Internet where the local Adventist hospital here in Yuba City or Marysville that serves Yuba City, Marysville, Yuba County, Sutter County. They had a list of donations to bring to the hospital because they can't, they're running out of product. In fact, I think Glad Tidings donated the church. I, we had thousands of masks, and they told me yesterday or earlier today, I guess it is, uh, they donated like 5,000 masks so, so far to the hospital, which is good. But the fact is, the interesting thing is they can't find any place to buy the masks because they're all made in China, you see? And so fortunately... When you you look around the warehouses of the U.S. and people start saying, oh, I got 10,000 or I got 40,000 or I got this many or we got that. You could have these. Right. And so they're they're meeting the need through the back door kind of. So it's interesting that Trump, who everybody hated for doing this, build a wall, control who's coming in here. One of the first things most people, the medical people will say one of the best things that Trump did as soon as we became aware that China was having a problem with this virus is he stopped all flights in from China. And um, the reason that 
Trump gives that New York's having such a tough time is that it's a it's a probably one of the top cosmopolitan cities in the United States that and he doesn't lean on the fact that they were unprepared, which they were. But uh, you got a lot of interaction from foreign countries constantly in New York. San Francisco does, too, and I don't think they're having such a hard time. But maybe they were more on, on top of it than uh, oh, pierced, pierced nipple, uh, the Italian up there, the pierced nipple Italian governor. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's see where we are here. Well, we're doing okay. So it, this, uh, I don't know if you ever read the Patriot Post, but... Uh, Mark Alexander writes it, and he he wrote an article, says, CV-19 made in China, send Qi, X-I, Qi, the bill. So he talks about a lot about the Wuhan laboratory. Uh, See, so he says, uh, He says, I want every American, he's quoting Trump, I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. This could be a hell of a bad two weeks, Donald Trump said. In 2016, then-candidate Trump based his campaign on taking care of America first, particularly on being less dependent on China and bringing our businesses home. As president, his actions to achieve those objectives of China have been much bolder than any president in the history of the country. Given the current virus assault on our nation, Trump's efforts to unhitch America's economy from China, China's corrupt regime, regime seem prophetic, not pathetic, but prophetic by the minute, more prophetic. In other words, it's almost like he knew something was going to go down. Now you think, well, why would China intentionally infect their own people? I don't know that they did, but if they did, wouldn't surprise me a bit. China does not give a crap about their own people. They'll, they kill 100,000 of their own people. They killed 20, 30, 40 million just to get control of the country, to make it communist. They, they locked up. Church pastors back in the early 19, uh, not the early 1900s, but say uh, they took over in 1949 after the war. They took over the communist country. They they locked up pastors and locked them up for from when they took over in 49. They locked them up, say, 25, 30 years, hard labor. They didn't have any crime other than faith in Jesus Christ. I sat in the uh, twice I visited the home of Alan Yuan, Y-U-A-N, in Beijing. You can read about him in Christian history books now. He had six children and a wife when he went to prison. He never saw the kids again until they were adults and had their own families. He did 25 years hard labor, and they finally released him. And when I went to his house in downtown Beijing, he had a one-room house, basically, you could see everything when you walked to like a studio apartment without without even the, the bathroom closed off. And uh, he was under house arrest there, and uh, but he did 25 years, didn't even commit a crime. You do not have to commit a crime in a communist country to be locked up. All you have to do is say something contrary to the the nation. Uh, 
Now, I, I didn't say this, but you remember the prophecy that I read from David Wilkerson at the beginning of the show? That prophecy has been tried to, they've been trying to post that on Facebook to circulate it, and Facebook keeps taking it down. And right before our prayer meeting tonight at Glad Tidings, Dave Bryan, the pastor, tried to post it twice on uh, Facebook, and every time they posted it, it would be immediately removed, even if it was embedded in some other stuff. So you can see uh, that there's more to this uh, virus and there's there's an attempt to take down the the presidency of the United States, and they're using every means necessary to do it. So uh, Mark Alexander with the Patriot says, "People, we are in a war." In quotes, as Trump has declared, and the first salvos were fired by our primary global adversary, Communist China. That war is not only dangerous to the health of America and the world, but it is also having a significant impact on our national security readiness. And I can assure you our adversaries, including China, are taking note. Um, All right. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's some stuff in here that's very interesting. There is clear... He says there is clear and indisputable liability case to be made against China, one that should include remuneration of the economic costs. Remuneration means payback to our nation and other penalties. I propose that President Trump send communist dictator Xi Jinping the bill for the catastrophic damage caused by the Communist uh, Party of China. It's abject and willful negligence in allowing the CV-19 to carpet bomb our nation and its people and all, and all around the world. For the record, that systematic institutional negligence began in Wuhan, Ube province. Now, I was listening to the news the other uh, on, uh, I don't know where I saw it. Maybe, I can't even remember. It was either through YouTube or on television. And they, one of these ignorant reporters said, this happened in Wuhan province. That's like, hap- like, like, that's like saying the state of San Francisco, right? San Francisco is a city located in the state of California. Wuhan is a city located in the state of, well, they call it a province, or state of Ubei. H-U-B-E-I, Ubei. Wuhan is a city. It's called Wu- Wuhan Ubei, and it's located in China, right? Just like San Francisco, California, located in the United States of America. The negligence born in Wuhan, Ubei province, China, in November 2019. November, though there were more, most certainly earlier cases of this virus. For two months, under the direction of Xi Jinping, China actively concealed evidence of the emerging threat and likely pandemic, systematically covering up the viral outbreak in China, which resulted in the spread to the U.S. Now, if you look on the World Health Organization, they have stats that are changed by the second. If you look on their website, it's pretty cool. Of all the all the nations in the world, big cities and nations, and the, the number of uh, deaths from all kinds of causes, but this, this uh, virus currently, and it's like going up like a, a odometer's flying by. Anyway... 
you think, whoa, China doesn't have that many infected and China doesn't have many, that many deaths. That's because China's lying. And the people inside China says they're incinerators. That would be, you know, if you go to a mortuary, we have these little crematoriums over here, you know. They're like a big shake-and-bake box in the back of these mortuaries. They have a full-blown ovens over there in China, man. They just been, they did those things are rocking and rolling, burning people up over there. They killed so many people. China's reports on CV-19 deaths in Wuhan were and remain spurious, and and the low fatality data being reported for Beijing, Shanghai, and other mass urban centers defies logic and strains credulity. Uh, it's talking about given the lethality of SARS COVID B dash two, the death toll among Red China is almost one point four billion, most of whom are still impoverished is many times higher than the official data coming from the communist regime. Uh, Officially, communist Chinese government claims about 220 deaths and 10,000 infections. Our sources, he says, indicate that the actual rates of infection and deaths in China are much higher and, in fact, uh, official reports may only represent five to seven percent of the actual dead and infected. Now, we know from reports inside that there are millions of people incarcerated for political their political persuasion. I think I need to take a break because I forgot to set set my timer, but it looks like by the color scheme on my thing that I need to take a break. So let me take a break. Come right back and. Uh, we're going to do the second half of the show. Okay. To satisfy me. Yeah. I said too much shade and to satisfy me. Well, it just seems like yesterday. Millions of Americans are losing their jobs. Businesses are closing their doors and not sure whether they'll ever open them again. Families are scrambling to figure out how they'll pay their bills and feed their families on no income. Meanwhile, congressmen, particularly Democrats, are still collecting fat paychecks from taxpayers while squabbling over emergency aid bills that might help Americans narrowly avoid a catastrophe. Why? Well, here's the nutshell. Because the government sucks at everything. And that is exactly why they shouldn't run anything. So now I just want to get this straight here because there seems to be an incredible cognitive disconnect. So the government orders businesses to close to protect us from a virus they can't control. Millions of Americans lose their jobs because their workplace was forced to shut their doors and people get sick anyway. Now those Americans can't pay their bills. And now that same government that caused this carnage in the first place is squabbling over how many pennies to throw the desperate people whose livelihoods have been wrecked because of the government. There's no amount of money that the government can shoot out of a potato cannon to cover all these losses. But the Senate had at least agreed to a bipartisan start. Except then Nancy Pelosi blew back into town on her broomstick. And the next thing you know, Chuck Schumer is poo-pooing the same exact relief bill that his party helped draft. Because now he says it provides too much aid to big corporations. Senator McConnell's bill is not pro-worker at all. It puts corporations ahead of people. We need workers first. Who do you think employs all the people, moron? 
The magical job fairy? Corporations give people jobs. When you force them to close, you keep them from making money and they have to lay off their workers who then can't feed their families. This is Economics 101. They teach this in high school, or at least they used to. What good will it be to toss everyday Americans a couple of thousand dollars to scrape and claw their way through this crisis when it's all over and done and the dust is settled and they don't have a job to go back to? Hooray, we survived the flu. Sorry about your newfound poverty. And that's when you know this has nothing to do with helping the American people. Frankly, it's getting harder and harder to believe that this has anything to do with stopping a virus, as bad as that virus might be. This is a giant chess game between politicians where American lives are the expendable pawns getting knocked over left, right, and sideways. Economists are projecting 5 million lost jobs and 1.5 trillion in lost economic output. And Senate Democrats are nuking a bill they helped create because they'd rather play politics in an election year than help families who were doing fine two weeks ago and now can't pay their rent. And I wonder why. Was the economy doing just a little too well? Need people to suffer a bit more? Want to string this thing out? Some liberal politicians are even demanding that any aid bill include things like wind and solar tax credits and carbon emission standards for airline companies. Things that have absolutely nothing to do with the crisis at hand. But this is the only way they can shove their pet projects through on the backs of suffering Americans and small business owners. And this is the government that half the country wants to take over our entire health care system? Really? These guys? The ones who are playing partisan games with your life? They're still collecting taxpayer-funded paychecks while waiters and factory workers and retail store clerks are losing their jobs. They can't even put party lines aside long enough to help families survive a catastrophe that they created. And you want to put them in charge of more stuff? If there is any solid takeaway from this god-awful crap fest of a situation, it's that the government cannot protect you. It cannot protect you from a virus. It cannot guarantee a seamless health care system. It can't even find enough face masks and ventilators in an emergency. It cannot efficiently determine who needs what and when. It cannot ensure that you have enough money to survive. It doesn't know what you need. It's run by politicians who own multiple houses and think 1200 bucks will cover you for a month. The only thing the government has ever been good for is the one thing that it rarely does, and that is get out of the way. I know we're all worried. I know, but we need to reopen America. We have to. If we don't, the coronavirus is quickly going to become the least of our problems, and the government cannot save you. And that's your Reality Check America. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page, like us on Facebook and Twitter, and stay sane out there. Do what we did. Call Lincoln. At Lincoln, we got three rooms full of great carpeting for just 29 Although you might not believe it, I was once a highly paid executive for a major electronics firm. I'd come home exhausted every evening with a nagging headache and jagged nerves. Well, all of that has changed now that I've learned about welfare. Thanks to welfare, I've quit my job. I sleep until noon, watch television all day, and I still get a check every month in the mail. Why, I even save money at the checkout counter thanks to welfare's convenient food stamp program. And, unlike unemployment, the benefits never run out. You don't even have to speak English or be a U.S. citizen to qualify. Sound incredible? Well, it's true. If you'd like to find out more about welfare, just pick up your phone and dial toll-free 1-800-WELFARE. That's all there is to it. Operators are standing by now at 
W-E-L-F-A-R-E. Don't spend another week at work. Call now. Welfare. It's not just a benefit. It's a way of living. Sponsored by the United States government. What a difference a day made. Twenty-four little hours. What the sun and the flowers. All right, so I want to uh, continue talking about the the uh, liars, disease-filled liars in China and manipulators. You know, they even said that our military gave them the virus. Did you catch that? Then they've also said in the China Morning Post, that is a which is a big newspaper in China. There's a number of newspapers in China, all all run by the government. Some you can get in English. I, I like to read them when I'm flying over there because it, it's interesting perspective. But the China Morning Post actually said that the that the uh, disease started in Lombardy, Italy. Lombardy is a, a state or province of Italy where lots and lots of Chinese live. And they said, we didn't start it. The, they started down there in Lombardy and they brought it up here to Wuhan. Why are they? And the reason there's that connection is the Belt and Road Initiative in fact, I haven't found anybody that even knows about that around here. The Belt and Road Initiative, if you Google it, it'll tell you about China's attempt to hook up and and sign partnership agreements with 100 nations around the world to get control of them, ultimately, economically. And one of the first Western nations was Italy. And it's interesting. I wrote a little bit, a bit about it in the Territorial Dispatch, and some guy went ape and thought I was some kind of nut and trying to just talk about conspiratorial stuff i thought you know something uh who was it john wayne said life is difficult but when you're stupid it's just really difficult i and i i get a kick out of people saying well you know he's a really a smart guy that wrote that but i don't know what got into him i think it's called being demon influenced okay um uh, so here's here we have we have who you know who the world health organization that's corrupt, and they covered for China. They covered for China, and in, and actually afflicted the rest of the world, right? Now, when you think, well, how bad does can it get? It's not as bad as any of these other flus. It's not as bad. Every oh my God, if you get it, like they like that Cuomo, that the, the Fredo, you know Fredo, the, what they call Fredo, the Cuomo that's on the news. I guess he got it. And he said he chipped a tooth. His, his the fever was so so high. Uh, you know, people. I don't even believe. I don't believe anything these people say anymore. The fact is, he's living. Hold that thought. So, uh, here's here's the interesting thing. Notably, some of the earliest concerns about the release of this dangerous pathogen were raised in January. Remember January. By Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton is a former uh, U.S. Army 
military man who made and then he became a uh, senator for Arkansas. He made the connection in January between SARS COVID-19 and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's right next to the animal market, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He says, we know that just a few miles away from the food market where the disease was first contracted is China's only biosafety level four super laboratory, which researches human infectious diseases. The Chinese Communist Party has once again been caught red handed covering up, suppressing and censoring a serious public health risk, which could increasingly be a global public health risk. For weeks, China did not come clean about the coronavirus that they first said was only being passed from animals to human in a seafood market. In other words, they weren't being honest. More and more senators are coming out and speaking about this, mainly conservative senators. To that end, and for the record, the Wuhan market where CV-19 was first contracted is near China's only P4 pathogen level 4 super laboratory. There's a couple, there's there's two of these labs, Check this out. The Wuhan National Biosafety Laboratory at the Wuhan Institute of Virology is engaged in research on Ebola, Nipah, and Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever viruses. Now, any of those things get loose in the public. It's going to cause some stomach aches. And yes, all the coronavirus variants. There's a number of coronavirus variants. He says there's now sufficient evidence that the Chinese had isolated and researched SARS-CoV-2 virus, which is corona. And they knew the likely consequences if it was ever released. There's people in the United States know this. They're just not saying much about it. I'm not going to spend too much more about it, but he talks about that the the Chinese need to give us trillions of dollars. He says, uh, <laughs> anyway, it's just, it. this is a train wreck. This whole thing is a train wreck. It didn't need to be, but the way we've reacted, it's almost like there's people that want to take this country down. And I'm not, I'm not, it, it, the evidence is there. Show me, show me the corona deaths in the last three months, and show me the flu deaths. What are the flu flu deaths? Just normal flu. Oh, I don't feel good. I think I have the flu. Doctor, I think he has the flu. I have a friend that just got back from India up near in, uh, China, and she came back with a team of twenty six. She got back. She's an ICU nurse. I travel with her in Asia a number of times. And she came back and she got what they call deli belly. They called it deli belly because they're over in India. And uh, so, uh, you know, Mexico, what do we call it? The Montezuma's Revenge or something like that. Anyway, she got deli belly and she thought, well, maybe I got Corona. So they tested her and took a while to get it back. But they said, no, you don't have Corona. You have flu A, influenza A and influenza B. That's what's in our country right now. That's this is the flu season. Remember that called the flu season. And it lasts for a season and then it dies. And so she said she and she survived the flu. 
both of them, A and B. She had two strains on board. She picked it up somewhere on the way across the world to get back to here, to go back to work. Now she, I think she started work today over at Adventist Health. She works up in ICU, and she got a clean bill of health, as they said. But she had the deli belly. We just call it deli belly, but it was the flu A and the flu B, not the corona. So that's killing like about almost 20,000 a month, 10 to 20,000. Why, why aren't we like we have never shut down the schools over this before? We never shut down churches. We never shut down all the restaurants. In fact, you know, there's countries. Do you know there's countries that are not doing that? They're not shutting down all the activities and they're doing okay. They may have some people getting sick, but it is the new rule of thumb for all you faithless Christians that we shut, that it's worth shutting down every business, keeping everybody in their houses to stop everyone from dying. Is that the goal? Stop everyone from dying. Man, I've been accused. Oh, man, you guys are glad tidings have a meaning. You're going to cause my kid to die or you're going to cause my grandma to die. Really? It's like, should we all just stay home for the rest of our lives so no one will die? Is that is that that what's going to happen? We should we should. Sh- That's what I've said to people. Should we just shut off all the cars, all the damn cars? You know, the things break down or people drunk driving. Should we just kill all the drunk drivers? That would solve. That would solve. If you just shot a drunk driver, when he, when, if you tested over, t- you know, 0.10, just, just don't even give him it. Just give him the test, note it, and then shoot him and bury him alongside the road. Put a little cross there. You think that would stop drunk driving? We don't do any of that. And we have like, last year I think I read where I've been looking at how many people die of what? 72,000 opiate deaths. Do you think we could even like give all the opiate people that are incarcerated in jails? Could we give them like a Suboxone uh, prescription before they leave jail so they don't overdose or prison after they've been locked up for quite a while? No, we we just, well, you know, we'll have to discuss it in the next legislative session. I don't know whether we want to do that. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll have to vote on it. We'll have to pray about it. We'll have to think about it. We lost 72,000 people last year open opiate overdoses. Wow. Oh, dirt bags. You know, oh, my God. Blood die of coronavirus. Oh, it's like it's like Joan of Arc's going to die. Mother Teresa. St. Paul. So in as as usual, in all these crises, you have people that are. Uh, they do the wrong thing. You, you, hear, you always hear about, yeah, you're price gouging. You're charging $4 for a roll of toilet paper or something like that. But here's what all this is happening. <clears throat> Old witches like Diane Feinstein. Katie Grimes wrote an article in the California Globe, and she says Democrats, Senator Diane Feinstein of California and three GOP, that's, that's a Republican Senate colleagues, reported selling off stocks worth millions of dollars in the days before the coronavirus outbreak crashed the market. Now, how did they know that? Because they they had insider information. And they'll, here's, their, here's what they'll say. Well, I don't even handle my stocks. Somebody else handles my stock. It's a blind trust. I'm blind. I, I don't hear no evil, see no evil, talk no evil. So they didn't communicate what they what they knew in secret. 
that there's going to be an entire meltdown. Oklahoma Republican Senator Jim Inhofe, Georgia Republican Kelly Loeffler, Republican Senator Richard Burr from North Carolina, and Democrat Dianne Feinstein sold their stock holdings after being briefed about the coronavirus and the significant impact the virus was predicted to have on the economy and stock market, while telling the American public that there was nothing to worry about. We got this. It's just a little bump in the road. It's just you, you get the sniffles, you got a little backache, you might have a little diarrhea. We're good to go. Nothing to worry about. They bailed out their stock holdings to avoid large losses. These are the people, these are the best and brightest in America. They're just like good moral people. These are just such wonderful, loving, concerned about their constituents, right? On March 20, 2020, Common Cause filed complaints with the U.S. Department of Justice, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and the Senate Ethics Committee calling for immediate investigations of Feinstein, Burr, and Loeffler, and Inoff for possible insider trading. This isn't the first time for Feinstein. Uh, Peter Schweitzer and his staff of of investigative people been putting together one book after another. One was throw them all out. Another book is profiles on corruption. Uh, Throw them all out. Schweitzer reveals that on November 18, 2009, Senator Feinstein and her husband invested. Think about this. I want you to think about this. Feinstein and her husband Invested $1 million in Amaris Biotechnologies, a green company focused on plant-based renewable fuels and chemicals. The Feinstein's million-dollar investment was their only stock transaction for 12 months. Weeks, just weeks after Feinstein's million-dollar investment in Amaris, A-M-Y-R-I-S, the company Shazam Shazam! The company received $24 million grant from the Department of Energy. Now, I wonder what a coinkadink. Did you know in Hebrew there's no such thing as coinkadink? There's no word like that. The company received $24 million grant from the Department of Energy to build a pilot plant where altered yeast would turn sugar into hydrocarbons. And then... The following year, the company went public with an IPO that brought in 85 million bazillion dollars. Recently, Feinstein, who serves as ranking member on the Senate Judiciary Committee and her husband, his, he kept his own name, Richard Bloom, sold 1.5 million and 6 million in stock in, in the California biotech company Allogene Therapeutics and they sold all that stock between January 31 and February 18th. Now what was going on then? All these meetings were going on because they thought the crap's going to hit the storm the, the crap's going to hit the fan and all hell's going to break loose over here. These people are, you wonder how these people, even making as much money as they do, how do they make a, how do they 
make a bajillion dollars. How they end up with hundreds of millions of dollars. That's how they're making it right there. We're talking about it. Look up Peter Schweitzer, S-C-H-W-E-I-Z-E-R-S. This guy is a is a um, the mother of all researchers, and he's got a whole team of researchers looking at the money, the money flow of these congressmen and dem- these congressmen and senators. Profiles in Corruption is one of his books. Throw Them All Out is another book. They're great books. And they're gonna, you're gonna read about people that you've heard about, and uh, it's gonna be discouraging. But you're getting punked. So this is an interesting thing. You can see how politics works. After there was a bunch of insider trading, and there was a big hullabaloo about the insider trading after Peter Schweitzer's first book. Um, there was a stop trading on Congressional Knowledge Act of 2000. 12, also known as the Stock Act. It said members of Congress and other government employees, including congressional staffers and members of the executive branch and judiciary, are not allowed to engage in insider trading based off information they learned through their jobs. However, when you weren't looking, when you were sleeping one Friday night after having a night on the town with your lady... One year after the Stock Act's passage, President Barack Obama signed a change to the law that had been quietly ushered through Congress. It got rid of the provision that the financial disclosures required by the law be posted online on official websites. That was a requirement of the Stock Act that when they said, I sold all this stock, they had to post it. On official websites, but Barack went in there one Friday night and he just did a ollie ollie auction free on him and fixed that. All right, I want to um, before I go on to the next thing, I want to give a shout out to Monty Hecker, who I don't know what Monty's up to these days. I know he's got these with. All these businesses shut down. I bet there's people trying to break into them and steal stuff, take stuff that doesn't belong to them. Shame on them. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't steal stuff. Leave stuff where it's supposed to be. Monty Hecker runs Elite Universal Security. He's looking for some men and some women, both good ones, to work as guards for him. You can call him and get a job at 530-749-0280. You think, oh, I don't live down there in Ubisoft. I live up here in Shasta County or Sacramento County. Or He's got jobs there, too. If you live up in Northern California, I'd call him and say, hey, I'm over here. Can you? Can I work over here? You got any jobs over here? Can I? Can I get trained by you? He needs good workers. I talk to him all the time. He's located, his training facility is located here in Yuba County, but he'll get you squared away, and uh, you can train you some online if you go to api-academy.com, api-academy. You can connect with, with him probably off the website, but they got all kinds of classes, some online, some you have to do down there. They got the uh, how, to, how to, you know, get qualified to use your weapon. If you and, you know, if you want to even even if you're not going to go to work for him, he'll help qualify you to get your concealed weapon permit. That's what you want. So um, 
you can get that done. I don't know when his classes are right now because of all these different rules. I don't know what rules he's following, what rules he's ignoring. But um, he he says over and over, security guards is a great stepping stone for anyone looking at going into law enforcement of any type. Uh, you learn about proper documentation, about building good public relations. Um, he said people looking currently working in the security field while going to school. Many people are they're working and they're going to school for criminology or post academy law enforcement. Go get go get yourself a job. Go get yourself a job. We're going to take a break here at the end of our fourth segment, and then we're going to do. Um, a couple more and uh, talk about a lot of other cool stuff about the whole Corona thing and whether this is really an attempt to take away your freedom. So we'll be right back. protect our elderly and vulnerable populations and protect our economy for hundreds of millions of Americans? How do we reopen America for business and stop the spread of COVID-19? Here's my suggestion. 10 things that we can do to stop the spread of COVID-19 and reopen the economy. Number one, run a test on a randomized sample of the population to stop the selection bias of the data we currently have so that we know the true fatality rate as Stanford professor Johnny Adidas suggests, and what we're actually dealing with here. Number two, test influenza-like illness deaths to see the incidence of other viruses like COVID-19 so we know if this is normal in our yearly number of influenza-like illness deaths. According to Professor Ioannidis, it might be within the normal range because thousands of people die every year from influenza-like illnesses that we don't specifically identify. Number three, stop the dependence on China for our medical supply chain. It's a national security risk. The Chinese communists threaten to cut us off if they don't like our policies, and we need our hospitals to have confidence that they can get all the supplies they need to care for sick people no matter what. Number four, stop government-mandated extreme social distancing because it's deadly to the economy. And there's no proof that short-term extreme social distancing works to stop the virus. So allow American businesses to reopen and allow schools to reopen. Number five, but continue with individual social distancing. If you're sick, don't go to work. If your kid is sick, don't let them go to school. If you're contagious, don't get on an airplane. If your family is sick, stay home. If you have germs, don't expose the elderly and wash your hands. Number six, Quarantine those who are sick and their family members. Number seven, keep at-risk populations at home if they want so that they're not exposed while this virus runs its course through the rest of the low-risk population. Number eight, at the very least, investigate creating dead ends with herd immunity in low-risk populations. This is the theory of Yale's Dr. Katz. Because some populations, children and healthy adults, are low-risk. And once they have immunity, they become dead ends, which means they can't pass the virus to anybody else, which slows and eventually stops the spread. Number nine, for the love of God, stop with the government bailouts and stop 
caving to Nancy Pelosi. Number 10, focus instead on potentially mitigating medication like antiviral drugs and cut through the bureaucratic BS to get medication to the people if we find that the drug combinations work. And our bonus, number 11, always, always, always feel empowered to question the premises of the policies imposed on us by politicians. And don't believe the liberals or the mainstream media pundits who tell you that if you don't agree to progressive policy, you want to kill granny. That is simply false. All righty then. Uh, I want to switch up here a second, and I just want to make some comments. Today I was spent some time <clears throat> reading through, I think it was just under 11,000 words, uh, of a brief put forth by the attorneys for uh, Charlie Matthews and John Missler and the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Uh, the attorneys, Brian Hildreth, uh who has been the lead attorney representing these complainants against the county of Yuba, who put forth an illegal tax called Measure K, and the the dastardly approach uh, assured them that even though the tax they claim passed with just 53% of the vote, the complainants or the people that were opposed to the tax said that it that it was a special tax and it needed 66.6% of the vote uh, or two-thirds vote. Two-thirds of all the votes needed to be yes. So thankfully, uh, Brian Hildreth's firm took the case for uh, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association and John Missler and Charlie Matthews, and they, they won the case at the Superior Court level in Yuba County, Stephen Barrier was the judge, local Yuba County, County judge. But the county of Yuba, the supervisors, uh, appealed it to Sacramento Appellate Court, and, and it's working its way kind of through the system. First, Yuba County had to present its brief, uh, its arguments written, and then the Hildreth uh, had to do the work to respond to that, and he wrote his up. So I spent the day today, a few hours, a couple hours, reading through his arguments, and I think, man, I'm glad I'm not an attorney because it's just too much detail for me. It's just like, oh, the detail, the detail, the detail. You have to be a, such a disciplined person to do that and do it well. I think they're one of the best uh, attorney firms. Let me see if I can just I'm, the the name of the attorney firm is. Uh, it all, I, it's just complicated. I can't I can't pull it off the top of my head. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to them because I want to give them a shout out because I think they're one of the top attorney firms on election law in the uh, the California. And the name of the firm is Bell McAndrews and Hiltachk Hiltachk. Uh, and Brian Hildreth is the lead attorney. He's the one appearing in court up here, and he's the one. Uh, uh, making the appeal uh, or fighting the appeal and Brian Hildreth, H-I-L-D-R-E-T-H with Bell McAndrews and Hiltach. 
at 455 Capitol Mall Suite 600 in Sacramento. And if you've ever, Sacramento Mall is just right down there, right down, it runs right into the Capitol. Makes sense, right? Very easy to find his place. But they're one of the top firms in the in the state of California, IA, uh, dealing with their professionals at knowing what election law. They don't like, they don't sue people for having a bad sandwich, serving a bad sandwich, or car accident. They're not ambulance chasers. This is what they do. And so I read Brian Hildreth's, uh, I think there's a limit on the number of words you can have in your uh, your brief. So he said he guaranteed the, the court. It was under, I think, it was 10,000-something words. I felt like, I think I've read more than 10,000 words. It's time to be done now, Brian. That dude went, man, there's a lot of details. And go over the same details and say it two different, three different ways. I thought, there's a reason I'm not an attorney. So anyway, the basic thing that Brian uh, Hildreth the point he made over and over and over again through all kinds of evidence is the same thing we've been saying, just little old us, uneducated us Yuba County folks, that the the government of Yuba County con- conspired to deceive the population to thinking that uh, this all this money was going to go towards law enforcement and fire. But in fact, they by calling it a general tax, then they don't really have to even spend a nickel on law enforcement and fire. They can spend it on whatever they want. But they lied and they said, we're only going to spend this money on law enforcement, fire and essential services. So then the argument came, well, what is an essential service? In the, in the previous court case, they began to say, well, really, everything we do is essential, like even the librarian. But when they did the dog and pony show and went to all these town hall meetings and tried to convince people to tax themselves, they, in other words, they used the people's tax dollars that they'd already given to run a campaign so they would tax themselves some more, which is a violation of their constitutional rights of free speech. But we haven't even got to fight that battle yet. So Hildreth is basically saying what we said all along, but he's smarter than us and says it better and actually quotes case law, which means something when you want to go to court and win your case. You can't just say, well, this is my opinion. It's like got to be based on the law, Proposition 13 and Proposition 218, which says if it's a special tax and the money's going into a special fund, then you have to have two-thirds of the populace vote yes on it. If you just say, we just want more money and we're going to spend it on everything from lifesavers to kangaroos, then you just need a simple majority vote, 50% plus one. So he makes that argument and then makes the argument that the government connived and defrauded the people and deceived them. And punked them. It was financial rape. So yesterday, April 1, was the anniversary of the beginning of getting taxed, even though the tax is illegal. They found they invalidated the tax in the Superior Court, but it doesn't stop the tax being assessed until the court case is completely over. So if they would have said, oh, darn, we lost, sorry. Better luck next time for us. 
then the tax would have stopped that day. But being they appealed, now the tax goes on. And now that we're having the coronavirus uh, crazy times, now the court is not hearing things as fast as they normally would. So now this case is going to be put off. So the hunch is that we're right about over, they thought they'd make $4.4, $4.5 million a year. Now this is looking pretty egregious. That's gnarly. With people being laid off work, shut out of work with coronavirus, and the government has taken an additional $4 million right out of their pocket that they could have been buying clothes, buying food, taking care of their automobiles, taking care of their home, paying their rent, paying their health insurance, paying their medical bills. And the they, Yuba County is so selfish. The Yuba County supervisors and leaders are so selfish. Those people are some of the highest paid people in U, in Yuba County, and they wanted more. What do they want more for? They want more for pensions. They want more for paying off the unions, and they don't have to have. There's no rules on how this money is going to be spent. Oh yeah, they they call it a public safety tax all the way through, and then they they have these hired little whore lawyers that go in and lie for them and saying, oh, no, 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 it wasn't ever a public safety tax. Even though the public information officer for the county of Yuba referred to it a public information meetings, he advertised them, wrote it right in an email and sent it out to the newspapers, called it a public, in fact, public safety. And Bendorf, the county county administrator, said the same darn thing. So I don't know when this thing is ever going to go to court. But the fact is two of the five uh, supervisors that passed this lost their job after just four years in office. One, and as they say, one and done. That's like a guy coming up in the major leagues and pitching one time, and they'd send him out to the minors. They said, one and done. We don't want you no more. I thought, that is something, man, to beat an incumbent. I think those two guys that went past Mike Leahy, neither of them really wanted the job. It's like in that race, it's like who wants the job the least? <laughs> None of them wanted the job. They didn't campaign. And then with, with Gary Bradford, the campaign manager failed on that. Normally, the campaign, you can't blame anything on the campaign manager. But in that case, I, I thought they should give – they should give – Poor old uh, Lofton, Supervisor Lofton. They should give him his money back. That dude got his butt handed to him, and the guy only spent two or three hundred dollars against him. I think Lofton just thought he was so great that his name was like good as gold, right? Trump, Trump of Yuba County. He he got his butt handed to him. So anyway, uh, Measure K. Uh, we are still getting stung about, I don't know whether it's $10,000 a month. That's what we figured. But in one year, they figured $4.5 million they're taking away from you. That should have been your money, your purchasing power. Totally rip you off and lied about it. And keep, you know, isn't it true? I, I was talking to a girl the other day, and I could tell she was lying to me. And I confronted her. I said, you're lying to me. You're drunk. You're under the influence. And she, she couldn't even... 
she'd got a demon or something on board. She just was speaking out of both sides of the mouth. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. No. Yes, no. She could not tell the truth. She just all over, she was all over the place. I said, girl, if you want to be a drunk, it's it ain't going to blow my hair back. Just be a drunk. Be a good drunk. Just go out there and get it on. I don't I can't do the drama in my house. I can't do the drama here. So don't you want to run with me? You've got to be sober and be heading in the right direction. I haven't got time to fuss with you. If you want to do the right thing, I'll, I'll make it happen for you. But I do not have time with a bunch of mumbo jumbo drama. Don't be doing that to me. And that's what the that's what the county of Yuba does. Those guys, when they open their yappers, they're lying over there. And they just jack people around through this. The worse it got, that once we started calling them out, they just kept covering their tracks. Here, oh, no, no, this is what we really meant over here. Oh, well, that, no. So here, you know the cool thing about it right now? If you want to know what your essential services is or are, you can you can look around the county right now and see which offices are got a skeleton staff and which offices got full staffed. Well, if you go, you'll find that public safety is fully staffed. But those other offices were... Uh, that you that most people frequent. Most people don't get the services of law enforcement. Most people are over there working at the tax recorder's office, or you're going to the county clerk's office to get yourself a passport or marriage certificate. Those are the ones they just cut. They just cut those to the bone. So this is going to be the case, and I don't know. I, I don't have the date. Do I have the date on there? It doesn't really make any difference. They're not going to be able to keep the date uh, because. Um, this coronavirus thing, it's got everything all screwed up. So um, that's that. All right, let me get back on the track here and see where we're going. Um, let me give it, let's see, I'm trying to find my sheet here. can't see. Man, it's in the middle of the night. I'm feeling pretty good. And I feel like I took some medical meth or something like that. Uh, hey, let me, you know something, some of you guys out there in Missouri, Dan out there in Missouri and Rick over in uh, Idaho, our gas prices are coming down finally in California. Your your gas prices must be down under a dollar over there. Our gas price, I'm driving home tonight from a prayer meeting, and I think the gas price at the gas station just around the corner from me is like 270 something. But some place in the United States I saw on Facebook had it for 97 cents. I thought, holy mackerel, it's probably worth driving over there to get a tank to that state. Can't even remember what state it was. Uh, anyhow, I'm, I bet you guys are down there around dollar sixty. I bet down there in Missouri or, or uh, over there in Idaho. Uh, give a shout out over oh, the Russells up there in. Also in Washington, it just flew the coop, went up to Port Angeles, up there, digging it up there in Washington State. Friends of mine that used to always listen to my radio show. So, uh, all right. Uh, I want to m- mention my friend Dave Greenitz with Greenitz Construction. I don't even, I'm sure he's working somewhere. Do they, I think construction is a one of these essential businesses. So, uh if you're thinking about you're sitting around your house, you can't do anything. You're you're like held up. The government says, don't come out. Even though you're healthy as a horse, don't come out of that house unless you've got to go to the bathroom somewhere. 
go out to the outhouse or you got to go to Walmart. But don't be out cruising or going to just goofing off out there. Don't you dare. Like it's like hibernating season. And maybe you're sitting in your house. You think, geez, this bathroom's getting funky. Or this kitchen, man, this kitchen's looking gnarly. We had a, that cupboard's falling apart or this falling apart or that. This this is like, we need more room in this kitchen. So the guys that I would recommend, always recommend, uh, I'm totally biased because he's the best. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about him on the show here if he wasn't the best. No comparison. So that's Dave Greenitz. He lives here in, in Yuba City in Sutter County. He works in primarily in Yuba, Sutter County. Once in a while you get him to venture out, but he feels like it's a mission trip if he goes to Lake Tahoe. Thinks he's on a mission trip, going to foreign country with people spe- speaking a wrong language. I think he went to Las Vegas here a while back and did something. Greenitz Construction, G-R-E-E-N-E-T-Z, Greenitz Construction. I know a lot of you just, so you don't even have to, you don't have to break any rules of being too close. You can just go on the website. There, Corona does not live in a website. Greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook. Either way, your your call. Check it out. You see all these cool photos. You can just you can just smoke smoke a blunt, get a little high. And just sit and check out your kitchen or bath and think, wow. And then hold up the computer. Take the computer right in the bathroom with you with the flat laptop or on the phone and look at one of those bathrooms and look at your bathroom. Just hold it right up there or the kitchen. Hold it right up there with your the lady of the house if she's the cook. Maybe the guy's the chef. Hold that shot of that, that person's kitchen up there before and after. Then look at your old funky kitchen. And get a vision for it. Then if you want to email him, you can email him right off that site. Or if, you, if you're just old school and you just want to ring him up or dial the phone, 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602. And you can talk at him, and he will talk at you. And he is uh, easy to get a hold of. If you get voicemail, the dude will be back to you before you can hang up the phone. Boom. He'll be calling you right back. And you're not going to get any, somebody that can't answer any, any questions. You, have, you ever call someplace and say, he's not, well, he's here, but he's away from his desk. That's when I always ask, well, how far is he? Why don't you just reach over there and grab him by the shirt tail and get him over here and hand the phone to him. Let's get this over with. Five three zero six eight two nine six zero two. You won't regret having him because he shows up on time he shows up when he he shows up in the showdown he does a good job he cleans the job up no fuss no muss gets it done all right and since i just got a minute or so left for the final uh deal let me just give you a shout out to um the plumbing doctor i saw them i saw they've been advertising on facebook pretty cool photos too they showing they said don't throw what do they call it you are those little things that you wipe up things with those little cleansing things, antiseptic things. They said, don't throw those in the toilet. And they showed this snake coming out of the, uh, you know, a snake that you run down into your lines, snake the lines. They showed this snake with all this fabric wrapped around it. And it's those wipes. That's what they call them. These wipes instead of toilet paper that dis- disintegrates in the water. The wipes don't, they're tough. 
and they're all wrapped around and just had that sewage all pl- goofed up. You've got to pay attention to what you throw in the darn toilet. Take it easy on the toilet anyway. So anyway, uh, they showed cleaning out somebody's uh, sewer line loaded with those wipes. Don't don't throw weird stuff down the toilet. So this might be a time you get some things fixed. Since you're home, I've been doing a lot of things I wouldn't normally get done so fast. I've been working on them. So uh, plumbing doctor, 530-671-9111. They'll get there 24 hours a day. They want your business. They'll make it easy to get get it done. They'll snake lines all the way out into the sewer in the middle of the street. They'll put you in a new toilet, hot water heater. They'll fix all kinds of stuff for you. Anything you want to do, sink, put something new in, update your, if you've got some money. Some of you people in government, you, you're not even working, and you're getting paid. Isn't it cool? Government people, they get lots more money than state of California and county government people. They make almost twice as much on retirement as federal people. Did you know that? That's how far out of line California is. You government people. Your check's coming in. You're not even working. What you get? Hire some of my friends. Go get upgrade. Get an upgrade. All right, we got one more segment, and then we're going to call it a night or morning. I don't know. It's getting pretty late around here. So we're going to give it another shot here. We're going to take a little drink of jasmine tea imported from Vietnam. Be right back. If you love me. You will get your heart Why should we be apart If Although this virus may be very real, the panic that is being created is completely unwarranted. Crashing the market, frightening the citizens, and stressing out the population all because a bunch of sadistic assholes want Trump out of office before he exposes their crimes. Somehow, they even managed to create a shortage on toilet paper products when there's not even one intestinal symptom to this virus. The media and the Democrats are playing us like a bunch of puppets, and all this is doing is revealing people's greed, pettiness, and selfishness. Meanwhile, while you wealthy liberal do-gooders smile as our economy falls and the events around the country shut down, the people that you claim to care about no longer get tips at work. They no longer get customers in their small businesses and are no longer able to pay their rent. I remember how the last pandemic went down, and Obama was a failure compared to how the president has handled this. No matter how you spin it, Trump was on top of this as well as anybody could have been. He took control of a black swan that nobody ever expected. It is damn well obvious that if Trump could walk on water, you snowflake traders would just say he couldn't swim. Whether you like him or hate him, you think this would be the time to drop the political shade and be part of the solution instead. Every Democrat politician and mainstream media source referred to this virus as the Wuhan or the China virus, and the internet is filled with examples. Yet you self-righteous media monkeys virtue signal us and call us racist? You have quite literally started getting your talking points from the Chinese communist government-run media. You have to ask yourself, how and when did China get so much power over our country? However, none of this even compares to the actions of the junk babbling harpy and their liberal sycophants. You act as if our president is not doing everything he should, and you blame him for your slow crawl. If there was ever a time where we need to work together for the people, it is now. 
The bill that goes to Senate should be fast, to the point, and clean. And somehow you think it's okay to add things like abortion funding into this bill? Something that you know conservatives cannot be more against? This is political extortion and just another example of how little people matter to you. This means one of two things. You either have zero empathy for the common man, or you know that this pandemic is not as dire as you claim. While you think the majority of the population is falling for this ruse, let me tell you what the people are really noticing. We notice that the media is completely dishonest, creating panic when our leader is trying to create calmness. We see how the media is more focused on political semantics and disrespecting our president than they actually care about the threat. We realize that we are dependent not only on supplies from another country, but a country who was our enemy and started this whole problem to begin with. We realize that our economy is too easily influenced by a few wealthy people and we have a Federal Reserve system that does not care about uncontrollable circumstance. We see that the elite will happily watch us suffer for their needs, knowing that their financially secure situation can ride this pandemic out. We are becoming aware that colleges can be done from home and the expenses associated with higher education can be reduced to necessity without other needed costs. But most importantly, we realize how much we rely on others to survive at all. My friends, the truth lies in the reality that you see and hear in your daily routine. No matter how much the media tries to convince you otherwise, the truth is always in front of you, behind you, and around you. If you just turn off the television and the media for a few days, you will see the reality without the confusion of indoctrination and forced perspective. Take this quarantine and make the best of it, understanding that not all is what it seems. Put down your phones, enjoy the time with your families, and get to know one another again. Write the book that you've always talked about. Paint a work of art. Just enjoy the things that we have taken long for granted. These were the things that God wanted us to focus on anyways. This is a subtle opportunity to unplug ourselves from the economic and social matrix that we have become oblivious to. This event does not have to be something that holds us captive to fear. It can be a reminder of how fragile mankind can be and something that brings us closer to things that are more important. It's a moment of humility as we start to notice again all the hardworking people that remove our waste, stock our grocery shelves, truck those goods across the nation, and grow our food from the seed. It is an opportunity to once again come together as a nation run by people rather than the people who are run by a nation. A chance to break the chains of a government-controlled world and once again become the many great nations under God. I find that education, I think it don't matter where you go to school, Italy, America, Brazil, it's all of the same. It's all just memorization. And it don't matter how long you can remember anything, just so you can parrot it back for the test. And I got this idea for a school I would like to start. Something called the five-minute university. <laughs> and the idea is that in five minutes, you learn what the average college graduate remembers five years after he or she's out of school. Would it cost like $20? <laughs> that might seem like a lot of money, $20 just for five minutes. But that's for like a tuition, <laughs> capping and gown rental, graduation picture, snacks, everything. Everything included. You know, like in college, you have to take foreign language. Well, at the five-minute university, you can have your choice. Any language you want, you can take it. Say if you want to take Spanish, what I teach you is, como esta usted? That means, how are you? And the answer is, muy bien. Means very well. And believe me, if you took two years of college Spanish, five years after you're out of school, como esta usted, muy bien, about all you're gonna remember. So in my school, that's all you learn. 
You see, you don't have to waste your time with the conjugations, vocabulary, all that junk. You just forget it anyway, and what's the difference? <laughs> Economics, supply and demand. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Business, businesses, you buy something and you sell it for more. <laughs> theology, I'm going to have a theology department, you know, since I'm a priest, it's only right. And what you have to learn in theology is the answer to the question, where is God? And the answer is, God is everywhere. <laughs> Why? Because he likes you. That's kind of a combination of the Disney and Roman Catholic philosophies. <laughs> just, it's just a perfect for the late 70s or early 80s, you know? Just a perfect. Well, after the courses are all over, then it's a time for a little Easter vacation. No time to go to Fort Lauderdale. Only lasts like 20 seconds. <laughs> but what I do for you, I like to turn on a sun lamp, you know, I give you a little glass of orange juice. That's the snack part, orange juice. And then after vacation, you know, after you swallow it real quick, then it's a time for the final exams. I say to you, como esta usted? You say muy bien. Where is God? The God is everywhere. Economics is supply and demand. Then I put on your cap and a gown. I get out to my Polaroid camera, you know, make a little snap a flash of picture for you. I give you the picture. You give me $20, I give you a diploma, and you're a college graduate, ready to go. And I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure, right next door to the Five Minute University, I might have opened up a little law school. <laughs> you know, you got another minute? <laughs> Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy, crazy for feeling so blue. All right. Thank you for listening today. So... <clears throat> I don't know whether this is going on in your communities out there where you're listening. Uh, but in Marysville, where I live, it's a city of 3.4 miles. Rick from Idaho, he used to live here, and uh, he left. He got fed up with it and got him a really good deal over there in Idaho. But uh, the, the city basically has run off all the business over the years, so they're going broke. And then they made some really bad financial decisions. I don't have time to get into the details. Made some really, you know, they made decisions that government has no business making and basically broke the city. So then they got a, they after two attempts, the second attempt, they got a, a new a 1% sales tax increase. And then they, they open up their first uh, marijuana dispensary where they sell, in other words, not a grow place, but a place where you can buy marijuana products. And that's bringing in a lot of taxes. So now 
they're uh, this yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, they discussed expanding the can- cannabis tax ordinance. In other words, they want to expand the ordinance to allow more cannabis uh, businesses in the city limits. And what they want to do is allow the ability for someone to grow it here. And uh, Marty Brown, who is the city manager, says in the current Measure F that was passed, she she actually was. I don't believe she was here. I think this is under Walter Munchheimer when this was passed or or the whole thing was massaged to get it passed. So she says when she inherited this, she says in the current Measure F that was passed, there are some gaps that are not accounted for in some of the kind of cannabis-related industries that we permit. In other words, they allowed it in the ordinance, but it didn't have a taxing method for it. This proposal, she said, would allow this new proposal would allow us to capture the additional tax revenue for business like cannabis labs. In other words, there's such a thing as a laboratory that checks the strength of the cannabis and is able to give it a rating Volatile extraction and edible manufacturing. Now, it doesn't really say here that they're growing it here, but but there's a con- there's a comment later about a, about taxing in a way that sounds like they're growing it under the proposed changes. Retail outfits, just an interesting term. Jake Abbott, the writer, used re- retail outfits. It's kind of a a cowboy or a drug you term instead of retail out. I think it, he sh- he should have said outlets, retail outlets, not outfits would be taxed 6% of gross receipts. That's a lot. 6% on all your gross receipts because cannabis is also taxed by the state. So the city wants to tax 6% on gross receipts. Manufacturing and processing would get taxed at 4% at gross receipts. Distribution would be 3% of gross receipts, and testing would be 2.5% of gross receipts. Some of these, so in other words, by the time you get it to put it right up in your mouth or put it in your mouth or up to your mouth, man, you paid about 6, 10, 13, 15%. That gets all passed along to the user, right? Let me turn over here because this is interesting. Oh, here we go, indoor cultivation. That's why I knew I read it. Indoor cultivation would be required to pay up to $10 per canopy square foot. So that means in a building where you got the pots, right? So where your canopy just means under the plants. $10 per square foot. I don't know whether that's $10 per square foot per year. I don't know. So it says the way Measure F is currently formatted, retail sites will be taxed as high as 15% of gross receipts. Brown said under the proposal that cap would be lowered down to 6% in order to make it more consistent and hopefully generate greater interest from businesses. Now, I don't know what marijuana is like today. I used it for about five years when I was a youngster. And they say 
that I don't know how people judge these things, whether it's an old timer like me that smoked it then and then smokes it now. They say it's a lot more powerful, but it doesn't really matter. It's legal right now. And I I say I'm waiting for medical meth because I need a little bit more energy. But I don't use marijuana now. But it's interesting to me with all this legalization. Just pretend for a moment that we legalized it. But there's but in other words, there was no taxing mechanism. Do you I just want to ask you a question about whatever city you're in. If marijuana was legal. Now, the way this is, the the state government allows it to be legal, but then the local government, city or county, then has to write an ordinance to allow it to happen. Because cities and counties had the they had the op, option to say we don't want it in our in our jurisdiction, right? So, if you have the option as a local city council member or or a supervisor of a county, if you have the option and there was no tax money in it, would you allow it? Would you allow it? So I think on this city council, there's a lady named Stephanie McKenzie that has been voting against this marijuana thing. Uh, But for the rest of them, if there was no money in it for the county or the city, would you allow it? Do you think there's a problem or... Like, for instance, if if you didn't tax businesses, let's put it another way. If you did not tax businesses in the city for being in the city, would you allow marijuana to be here? If you if you wouldn't, then you're a hypocrite. Why are you taxing it? I get a kick out of it. Like I was talking to Dr. Cassidy, used to be the health official here for 25 years, and we were talking about. The coronavirus, he said, Lou, if they really wanted to save lives, they could just say tobacco products are not going to be sold in the United States of America. It's over. Because you'd save hundreds of thousands of lives a year. You ever hear anything about people being concerned? You know, my friends, all my ex-friends maybe. Oh, my God, I can't believe you're going to meet at a prayer meeting. It's like you're going to cause people to die. Oh, my God. And what, what about we need to spend let's shut down all the businesses and maybe if we just save one life if we just save one life we could even if we have to give up all of our property and all of our all of our freedom we can't go anywhere we just have to sit inside and look at each other But you can you, you don't you, nobody's losing losing sleep over hundreds of thousands of people each year dying dying of all the diseases, illnesses related to smoking. Nobody's nobody's making a big fuss about that, and that's pretty easy to solve. You just say we're no more tobacco products; it's over, right? That's exactly what they did when they shut all the businesses down. Lardhead up there in Sacramento says it's over. You can shut your business down. It's over. One day I was in there having having Chinese food at the Drag On Inn, sitting uh, sitting across from my friend. And the next day they said, "Lou, you could just do takeout." I said, "All right, I'll buy it from you. I'll take it out. Take it on out. Dra- drag on in and take it on out." 
So the question is, would you would you allow cannabis business in in the city if there wasn't any money in it? It's interesting how we just tax, 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 tax. My God, I can bring back cigarettes. I told people if I I haul Bibles over to Vietnam in my suitcases, contraband, and if I come back empty, I could fill my suitcase up with enough cigarettes to resell here at, say, $6 a pack instead of $9 a pack, and I could pay for my ticket. But then people say, oh, Lou, you're not a good Christian selling cigarettes. So, well, they're going to smoke them anyway. Well, who cares? Isn't that a good justification? Some people, some people say, you're not a real Christian. I had a guy who got all mad at me. That I thought you were a man of God. I said, probably not. I probably not want no man of God. I'm probably not a very good Christian as it is. I believe in Jesus. How about that? I think he died. On, I, I think he died from my sins. How about that? I don't think I came from an ape. How about that? Isn't it amazing that we actually, that teachers stand up saying they're some of the brightest people in the community, stand up before students with a straight face, no April Fool's joke, and tell them they came from a monkey. I want you to just hold on to that thought for a moment. If you don't think our school system has been taken over and has lost its ever-living mind, just think about this. You came from a monkey. You're not really a boy. You may be a girl, or you may be any number of other sexual identities. And because you may have, have a little, you may be wobbling, you can just pick the bathroom of your choice, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you feel, just whatever, like, just let it, just draw it out of you. If you feel like you, you need to use a urinal today, go for it. But if you think you want to sit down in the other bathroom with the girls, or if you want to shower with the girls, like it's, it's good. Or if you want to be on the girls, if you're feeling like, if you're feeling your feminine side coming out, you want to run track for the girls. We're okay with that. And then you go into the class and you're thinking you're going to study like about lungs or the eyes or, you know, things. And they pull out this thing that looks just like a big old hard penis. A big seven-incher made of wood. And it's it's been circumcised. And then the teacher then gets out a condom and begins to teach you how to put a condom on. Or they teach you how to masturbate. Oh, you don't think they do that? Did you not hear about those Planned Parenthood books that show you all those kind of things? How to mutual masturbation and all that kind of stuff? Anal sex and all that kind of stuff? You don't want to get the girl pregnant? You don't have to just like masturbate each other. You can like go up the backside. You know, they teach that in our public schools. Do you ever wonder like somebody goes to school to teach English or math or this stuff and then they got to stop and they got to teach how to put on a condom? Do you think like they ever wonder like, God, what am I doing here? It's like, or I got to teach, I got to trans, we got to, Today, children, we have a trans, we have Joan 
that used to be John, and Joan is a transsexual. What's a transsexual, teacher? (laughs) He's got tits and a penis. That's what he's got. He's got a combo. He's got the super-duper combo pack. He can, like, have a lot of action there. You know, we got the, you got mommy on the top and daddy on the bottom. We got the super-duper transsexual combo pack, tits and penis. We got it going on over here. That's what we're teaching in our public schools. Is that unbelievable? Is that unbelievable? How can you believe that the amount of stuff that's just been taught? I don't know even how I got onto that. I started out talking cannabis and I lost my mind. I think I was going to say that that's why I have trouble keeping my train of thought because I, I did so many drugs once upon a time. Cannabis tax ordinance. So we tax, tax, tax everything. We tax alcohol. We talk, tax cigarettes, right? We tax all these sinful products. Crazy stuff, right? So, like Dr. Cassidy says, if you really wanted to stop people from dying, if that's the goal here, stop people from dying. People say, Lou, your behavior is going to cause my auntie to die that lives over on the other side of town or get sick, you selfish beast. But I think, hey, if you want to. I'm into keeping people from dying in most cases. Some people, I wish they would go, go quick. But sometimes I think, oh, that's sad. Let's keep them from dying. I had a gal today. She asked me about, you know, whether she was too heavy. She said, you think I'm fat? I said, yeah, definitely. You're fat. She just stared at me. I said, you asked me. I said, I don't care. I like you the same fat or skinny. Doesn't make any difference to me. I'm good with you, right? But you said you're you're a young woman. You're pretty. Are you fat? I said, you're probably 50 pounds overweight. I don't know. I haven't weighed you. But I said, I think I'm a little overweight. If you're talking about health, are you talking about beauty, health? What are you talking about? But I said, I don't think you're interested in changing any habits, so why worry about it? Just get fatter. Get, Get all obese and everything. So you wear overalls, and you don't have to worry about your belt line, your waistline. So there's a lot of things you can do to stop people. All right. I'm going to, oh, shoot, we only got three or four minutes. Why Germany's coronavirus death rate is far. Did you know Germany, people are playing soccer together. They're going to parties together. Germany's got, uh, got uh, quite a few people that got sick by the flu the virus, but their fatality rate is way, way low. It's one of the, it's the world's lowest. How come? How come? You know, they don't have a communist centers for disease control. You know, that state, you, you know, when you see a government where things are state run, that's a centers for disease control. What a screwed up operation that is. Some people say it's the centers for Democrat control. The Germans do not have a center like that. They have they have a they have different states like we have, and they have their own disease control in each state. So whenever there's a disease breakout, they all work on testing. 
This guy says, I believe that we are just testing much more than in other countries, and we are detecting our outbreak earlier. Uh, He's the director of Institute of Virology at Berlin's Charit Hospital. As Europe has become the epicenter of the global coronavirus pandemic, Italy's fatality rate hovers around 10%, France 5%, Germany's fatality rate uh, is only 175 deaths out of 34,000 people that have caught the virus. Germany is more likely to have a lower number of undetected cases than other countries where testing is less prevalent. Which raises the question, why is Germany testing so much? He says, we have a culture here in Germany that is actually not supporting centralized diagnostic systems like the CDC. So Germany does not have a public health laboratory that would restrict other labs from doing their own testing. So we had an open market from the beginning. In other words, more capitalism. Not like, oh, the CDC's got to, we got to wait on the CDC. Oh, the CDC's backed up. Oh, well, the CDC hasn't approved this. Oh, the CDC hasn't approved that. Oh, the Federal Drug Administration had to, why do we have to have all these centralized authority? That's called communism. Centrally managed food, centrally managed electricity, centrally managed this, centrally managed the government makes all the cars, da-da-da-da-da. So he says, and and they rolled, they of course rolled this out to labs they know in the periphery and to hospital labs in the area where they are situated. This created a situation where, let's say, by the beginning of the middle of February, testing was already in place broadly. In other words, if you can figure out who's sick, you can quarantine them. Instead of quarantining the healthy people like the brightest people in the world over in America do, let's take all the healthy people and hide them out. The Germans got figured out who's sick and got rid of them, got them behind the, behind the door, right, inside a house. The, the head Drosten says, that meant quicker, earlier, more widespread testing of COVID-19 than in, in Germany than any other country. We don't know exactly how many unknown cases there are, but we estimate that this unknown number is not very high. The reason is simple. We issued a recommendation in mid-February or mid-January about who should be tested and who should, shouldn't should be tested. In other words, they don't want everybody to be tested. If you're a youngster, you're healthy, you're doing good, blah, 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 blah. The fact is Sweden and Germany, Sweden, businesses go on, people playing games, doing their thing, interact, interacting. They're not shamed. They're not arrested. They're not harassed. They're not cussed at. They're not people don't go on social media and cuss them out, freak out. Call them all nasty names, get all butt hurt over it, and they got a healthier community. All right, so uh, that's it for today. This is our, as I said, our fifty-third episode, and we'll come back next week, God willing and Corona willing. I I told my friends, I said I'm not afraid of no damn coronavirus. It's like, chase. Everybody that's dying is ancient. Like I had the people from TIP, they said, Lou, 
They contacted me from TIP National, Trauma Intervention National. They said, are you going out on calls? I said, certainly we're going out on calls. How many calls are you doing? I said, we did 42 last month. We averaged 40 a month this, this year. <clears throat> How many deaths have you had in the community? I said, we got one or two deaths out of 160,000 people. I said, we got more people got syphilis, gonorrhea, and shot themselves in the same amount of time than we had this stinking deaths from coronavirus. And, and if you die of coronavirus... You probably didn't die of coronavirus. You probably died of COPD or cancer or something funky, funky. And coronavirus just exacerbated the situation. I'm confident that I'm going to lose a bunch of friends over this virus and never thought I would. But life is constantly a surprise to me. I got to say it just every every year that goes by, I think never thought that was going to happen. Never thought that was going to happen. Some people keep thinking I'm going to get arrested in Vietnam, but I said, I'm got your number. You'll be the first one I call if I get arrested. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to be back next week, Lord willing, and Corona don't get me. So God bless you. And if you find some people that, that need some toilet paper or need a little love this week and you don't know, and maybe an angel from God and you, you just didn't, you just didn't know. It wasn't your fault. You just never seen one before. Catch you later. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sweetheart, the mess. Sweetheart, the mess. Sugar, the kiss.